All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthume and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 7, Episode 5 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast, presented to you by our friends at Fantrax. Ditch Yahoo, ditch ESPN, and head over to Fantrax.com today. If you make the move to Fantrax and go to www.fantrax.com, forward slash DFO and register your league for Fantrax, you'll be automatically entered to win a Nathan McKinnon signed jersey. So make the move to Fantrax today and get all of their fully customizable options for your fantasy league. Definitely the best keeper and dynasty platform out there for fantasy hockey. Without any further ado, we've got Dylan Birthday and myself. No Michael Beebs Bonnie for the first half. Beebs will be joining us for the second half. Joining you. Joining me. You won't be here for the second half. Beebs will be joining me for the second half. But D, how's it going? Good. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. We, uh, again, seems like a weekly occurrence. Some technical difficulties on the DFO podcast. But we figured our way around it. We got D for the first half. Beebs for the second half. We've got right wingers on the docket today. Let's dive right in with our consensus. Top 15 right wingers. Actually, before we do that, Kirill Kaprizov. There you go. Signed You're to right. a five-year, $45 million deal, $9 million AAV. We talked about it on the left-wing episode. We had him a little bit lower on our rankings than he probably should have been because we were nervous that he might not be signed. They came out with a very fancy video today to announce that he was signed. Five years, 
$9 million per, got a bag, staying in Minnesota. Good for them. I'm, it would have been devastating for them to lose him. Yeah, I mean, they could afford the cap hit. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we said something right around that that um, that cap hit last week. I was expecting a little bit less turn on that number. But, um, yeah, I mean, as a Maple Leafs fan, I, I can't sit here and say that's a, that's an ex- too expensive for the player at all. I think he's a great player. Um, you know, yes, he is just one year into the league, but it was a fantastic year. He's, what, 23 years old still now. So, yeah, lock him up for what should be the five best years of uh, his career. Seems like a, a no-brainer for me. And obviously, with all that cap space that they've bought out the last few years, um, they can afford to throw a lot of money at a guy. So it was good, like you said, for them to keep him around because he makes them worth watching. Yeah, he really kind of just changed the entire way you feel about the Minnesota Wild. And, uh, I mean, that's pretty impressive. And when your name's Kirill the Thrill, though, I think you basically, you have to be that excited. 51 points in 55 games last year. Um, and as you mentioned, heading into his age 24 season. So he'll be signed through 29 years old at a very reasonable cap hit for a player of his of his uh, his ilk. Uh, just to kind of... we. Glossed over him a little bit probably last episode just because of the you know him not being signed or anything. Uh, at dailyfaceoff.com, our projections are up and running. We have him projected at 37 goals, 35 assists for 72.9 points uh, over 80 games this year. 235 shots, 19 power play points. So uh, really, really good production across the board for Kirill Kaprizov. Um, all right, enough about left wingers. Let's get into the right wingers for today's show. Back at the top of the right wing rankings for the 2022 season is Nikita Kucherov. Kucherov missed the entire 2021 regular season. Uh, Some people not overly excited about what happened with that situation. LTIR for the entire regular season. Comes back for the playoffs. Absolutely rips it up. The Lightning win another Stanley Cup. People hated every second of it. Uh... Kucherov, 23 games in the playoffs, 8 goals, led the entire playoffs with 24 assists, led the entire playoffs with 32 points. Ridiculous. Uh, his He just he didn't skip a beat at all. Like He was there from game 1, just absolutely lightning. Uh, no pun intended. So, I don't think it should come to anybody's surprise that myself, Dylan, and Biebs all have Nikita Kucherov ranked as the number one right winger. I don't think it's particularly close. Yeah, and it's, you know, normally if a guy missed an entire season uh, due to, you know, a major injury, there'd be some concern there. But like you said, he was clearly more than, than 100% fit by the time the puck dropped in the playoffs last year. And super impressive, too. It has to be said, you know, for everything, uh, you know, that cap circumvention and all that, uh, you know, for a guy to miss the entire regular season and then to come in and operate at a, over a point per game clip in the postseason, match the production he had on the cup run from a year ago when he was fresh off a 120 points. It, it's just, it's unreal. So yeah, you, you know, he's coming into what, he's 28 years old still now. And you have absolutely no doubt at all that he's going to be able to just pick up uh, right where he left off as far as regular season production goes two years ago when he had 85 and 68 uh, of course, the year before that was his was his career year, the 128 points uh, in 82 games uh, when he kind of stole the show from McDavid for a year. So I don't know if that's going to be what we're looking at. I certainly think if he's healthy for a full season, 120 points is more than doable, which is crazy to say. Like, looks more than sustainable for him. Um, and really, 
aside from Jack Settle, the only guy in the league that you can confidently say can push McDavid for the Art Ross this year. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, you made a very compelling argument uh, on our centers episode about Dreisaitl over McKinnon. I think the more t- that time passes and the more I look at it, the more I actually lean in your favor. I just think that left-wing eligibility for Dreisaitl yeah. is the difference maker. And then I actually am starting to to lean more towards Kucherov over McKinnon as well. Yeah. I, think, I think Kucherov is my number three overall player right now. The right-wing eligibility just makes such a difference. And like I said, you know, he's very clearly a top-right winger. If you can get him at the top of your draft, I think it's it's better than get, getting McKinnon right now. So, um, you know, if we went back and redid the centers episodes, I think I would be leaning more in your direction. Just the, the eligibility, the more I spend time looking at the left wing and the right wing positions, especially like right now, we're going to get into it here in our top 10. It falls off a cliff. Um, and, you know, your other team's number one right winger is going to be vastly worse than who you're going to get in a key to Yeah. Uh, I have him projected at 38 goals, 67 assists, 105 points overall. Um, I guess the only argument, uh, you know, for McKinnon over the other two guys, again, 332 shots projected for McKinnon, 245 though for Kucherov, very respectable. Um, I think the one thing that's pretty crazy to uh, really quickly about Kucherov is, you know, he did all that damage in the playoffs and it only averaged 18 minutes and 18 seconds a night. Uh, pretty you know, low considering he was up over 19 minutes, almost 20 minutes a night, the couple seasons prior. Um, I think that this year, especially um, they're going to probably lean on their top six more heavily than they ever have, because they don't have that luxury of having, they lost the entire third line and it was arguably the best third line in hockey. They're not going to be able to lean on that third line quite as much as they used to. And this top six is going to get heavily utilized. So Kucherov could be back up, you know, 19 and a half, 20 minutes a night, and, and really just go ballistic again. Yeah, and you know the power play production is going to be there. Um, all, all their best players are healthy this season, or at least going into the season with a clean bill of health. So, yeah, that power play should be firing on all cylinders from game one through 82. Uh, and, yeah, as long as he's healthy, which, you know, showed absolutely no signs of any sort of wear and tear in the playoffs last season, you, you feel good about it. Like I said, normally we wouldn't be talking about a, a guy that missed the entire regular season the year before as a lock pick for top three and i think we both agree should go probably you know third and maybe even a case for second overall over dry settle if, if you really want to i think the goal scoring premium that dry settle probably slightly offers over kucherov um you know w- would have us both leaning that way but uh certainly i think like you say should be the third guy off the board and yeah just remarkable because he missed the whole season last year and we're not even thinking twice about it Consensus number two, uh, which I was a little bit surprised by because I think that there's a cluster of three players here, maybe four, um, that could vie for that second spot. But we all lean towards David Pasternak as our number two. Um, I I think that he's, like, on my personal level, I think that he's probably pretty comfortably number two. Um, But I was a little bit surprised to see, particularly Biebs ranking him ahead of Miko Rantanen, um, but Pasternak's just extremely steady, hasn't missed a ton of games, missed some time last year, but other than that, has been, you know, pretty healthy, all things considered, um, in, in recent years, he's averaged 40, almost 44 goals per game over 80, uh, an 82 game pace, uh, over the last four seasons, uh, he, he, he's just remarkably consistent, that line isn't getting worse, <laughs> like, 
you would think that maybe as Marshawn and Bergeron continue to advance in age that they would start to fall off and it just hasn't happened yet. So uh, until they, they kind of prove to me that they can't continue to be one of the top lines in hockey, I'm going to continue to trust David Pasternak as a 40-goal, 50-assist guy every single season. Yeah, and I I think the, the reason that he's not maybe consensus number two right now, or there's even a, a discussion, I, I don't think it's at any slight to him, right? I think Rannon was that good last season and I think he does warrant consideration in that spot right um I'm pretty sure in most formats actually let me double check right now while we're doing this but uh I I know I think let me say I'm gonna go so Pashanak now is just right wing and, I have everybody's eligibility okay right so are they both just right wing in, in all formats now because I was gonna say I Grayson know is right wing on fan tracks yeah. right wing on Yahoo and just right wing on um ESPN as well. And Pasternak too? Pasternak is the okay. same on all three. Because that's a switch for both of them. Both of them in recent years have had dual wing eligibility. Um, but again, as long as, you know, so no edge either way as far as the eligibility is concerned. Um, but yeah, like I said, the, the driving force behind this all is just Randon's performance last season. 30 goals uh, in 52 games. Nearly set a career high in goals, which just went off uh, his previous career high. And again, just that shortened uh, season, 52 games uh, for Randon. Uh, and the biggest step forward was the shot volume. And that's what has me, you know, really excited about Rant. And he's always scored at a really good clip. Career shooting percentage of 16.2%. Uh, but his shot volume, you know, lags behind the other top tier goal scores. And, you know, that obviously that's why he had never topped 31 goals despite shooting at a 16% clip. Previous career high in shots was 193. And that was across uh, the 74 game season a couple of years ago. Last year came close to that mark, 177 shots, and again, in just 52 games. So went over the three shots per game mark for the first time in his career. Uh, had never really been close to that prior to it. Uh, and, you know, that's the really the sweet mark for us. That's what we love to see, right? That's the borderline elite shot volume. Two and a half is great. If you can push it over three, uh, then you're almost kind of slump-proof over the course of a full 82 season. You can, or I shouldn't say slump-proof, but you can survive a slump or two when you're shooting that much. Uh, and he doesn't seem to slump either. You know, like I said, career high in shots, uh, percentage to not waver at all. 16.9%, actually slightly above his career mark of 16.2, like I said before. So, uh, yeah, that's the one thing that really has me excited is about Rantanen. His jump in goal scoring, his jump in point production last year seems pretty legit. He's got to continue that great play into the season. And again, I think we've just seen it. Uh, that goal scoring, I guess, prowess, you could call it from Pasternak a little bit longer. So that's why I went Pasternak above it. Uh, above Rantanen, but I get it because if we're getting the versions of them last year, uh, obviously you want Rantanen because he was amazing last year and, and it looks legit. So we'll see what happens this year. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if we're sitting here at this very table talking about right wings next year and we've got Rantanen at two behind Kucherov. Yeah, and I don't know if it was you know injuries. He missed quite a bit of time, almost thirty games in, in twenty twenty. Uh, was playing under nineteen minutes a night last year, closer to twenty. So uh, a fully healthy Rantanen is somebody that can play a ton of ice time, and, and he's. Pasternak, I guess, could fall in the same bucket, really. Um, but Randon seems to just have these weak winning performances uh, a couple times a year where you're watching the Avalanche and he's just, he's fucking lighting it up. He's got four point nights. He's got two goals, two assists. Like he just, and he just goes off on stretches um, and then doesn't seem to cool off either. Like, yeah, he I think comes back was... down to earth a little bit, but Randon just seems to have some of these performances. You, couple times a year yeah and it's the power play in general right i think i said it last week when we were talking about landis cog is that if you get a piece of colorado one you can bank on a couple of week winning performances because they just have those games where their power play scores four or five goals Unstoppable. honestly it happens three or four times every year so uh yeah 
I, like you say, it's you, you can bet on it from Rannon. He's really the driving force behind that power play. So how how bad are they going to just decimate the Coyotes like eight times this year? Yeah, they've got you know. There's a lot of nice matchups for them in that division. They don't want to draw that too much because you know it's a bit of a sore spot for Beans. But yeah. no, uh, they're they're a great great team led by a, a top top line, and that's the thing about both these guys, Pasternak and Rantanen, is you can feel really confident uh, with them skating with a, a pair of quality line, uh, line mates for the full 82 game season. So I think either of these guys, you're happy about it. Maybe you're even happier being the pick, uh, maybe a pick later, right? You don't yeah. have to decide between the two of them. Cause uh, yeah, I, I think it is, it is pretty marginal. I, I think, like I said, I would probably still lean Pasternak uh, first, but I, I did love everything uh, that I saw from Randon last year. Yeah. I think I was going to mention that as well. I think that you're probably almost better off, um, maybe getting the 10th, 11th, 12th pick, not having to make the decision yeah. between the two. The decision is made for you. Or even having Patrick Kane fall to you right after that. So I actually have Patrick Kane ranked ahead of Miko Rantanen. Um, I just think that Patrick Kane still, for whatever reason, seems to be underrated. Yeah. Um, again, so now he is our consensus number four. I have him at three. You have him at four. Beeps has him at five. Beeb's not here to really defend himself there. But to me, when you look at my rankings, like I said last week, I kind of just, you know, I do my projections, let the numbers fall where they may. Pasternak and Kane are are neck and neck right beside each other pretty much. Uh, Rantanen a little bit behind, and, and that's mostly just due to his shot volume. Uh, I'm looking at my category league rankings here. So shots on goal does provide a boost. Patrick Kane probably going to be over 300 shots this year where Rantan falls around 217. So that's a little bit of the edge there for me if you're playing in that style league. Um, if you're playing in just a points-based league, I'm probably going to lead Rantan. But still, uh, you can rely on probably th- mid-30s in goals, 60-plus assists. He could lead the NHL, well, second in the NHL probably to, to, to uh, McDavid for Patrick Kane. But he's a guy that could definitely go over 60 assists this year, mid-90s in points. So if you're counting, if you're in a categories league, count shots, which most of us are, power play points as well, you know, it might lag... A little bit behind Randy, but we've talked about how hot that Chicago power play gets time and t- time and time again. So uh, for me, I actually have Kane slightly ahead of Randy, but like you mentioned, I really like it's going to come down to personal preference, and I don't really think you can go wrong with either one of these. Three. Yeah, and again, if I, I haven't spent enough time looking at the overall draft board, but I do feel like all these guys are going mid to late first round, probably right. So right now, the current ADPs are. Um, and this is the average between Fantract and Yahoo. For Kucherov, it's fifth overall. 8.7 for Pasternak. 7.6 for Rantan. So the, the general consensus yeah. of the public is a little bit higher on Rantan. 13.8 for Patrick Kane. So Patrick Kane, you can get on the 12-13 turn. Um, which is phenomenal. Which is tremendous value. Because you're getting really a player who's, you know, going to give you pretty close to the production that you would get out of, you know, the top, you know, outside of McDavid, Drysaddle. Kucherov sort of thing right like he, like in terms of point production goal production he's going to be right there around McKinnon uh and some of the other guys that just on the edge there so I, I agree with you I think he's very underrated I think if it got to a point especially in 10 team leagues and it's coming up on the turn and Rantanen and Kane were both available then maybe you look to solidify a different position and let one of them fall back to you uh, around the turn sort of thing because yeah yeah I think uh Kane is getting slept on I think you know Again, there's probably an argument even for taking them over Pasternak. I'm sure there's a lot of Blackhawk fans that'll be doing that. Uh, and I think it's totally reasonable. I, I think, you know, if we're taking Pasternak over Randon because there's a little more reliability there, then you have to talk about Patrick Kane too. 
Uh, only twice in the last 12 seasons has Patrick Kane been below a point per game pace, which is just ridiculous. Uh, four times in his 14-year career in a whole. And I know you can't go back too far when we're talking about 2021, but uh, just in terms of you know what you can rely on the guy for, um, he's still just, again, like I said, reliably producing above a point per game pace. And I don't think anyone else going around that mark can offer you anywhere near that floor or upside. Because if he has a good year shooting the puck, then we saw even just two years ago, 44 goals in 81 games. That's what he's capable of. Yeah, and like last year he had a ridiculously good year, still 66 points in 56 games, 50 assists in a in a 56 game season. Yeah, uh, he had a, he had a shot, bad year shooting. Yeah, shot, uh, shot, shooting percentage dropped to 7.9, the lowest mark of his entire career. He's an 11.9 career shooter, so there's signs of a bounce back for Patrick Kane. And I think that's and, why he fell down the board, right? People are looking yeah. and seeing 15 goals last year, staying away from it, probably in premium scoring leagues, but yeah. And this should be an improved Blackhawks team. They added a couple nice pieces. They get Jonathan Taves back, who again, you know, might not be the fantasy center that people covet, but he's a phenomenal real-life centerman. Kirby Dock missed almost all of last year. He's probably their number one center. And when you're talking about Miko Randon playing, you know, close to 20 minutes tonight, how about Patrick Kane? Over 22 minutes last year. Um, a guy that just plays a ton. And when you watch Blackhawks games, he's the focal point of the offense in every single shift. So I think that there is, you know, a, a lot to be said about the reliability and the upside of Patrick Kane. Um, the very interesting thing right now is if you look at current ADPs, 12 is Patrick Kane, 13 is Alex Ovechkin. You can talk about starting your draft with, with Kane and Ovechkin, you know, people maybe passing on them a little bit because they're, you know, in their 30s getting up there yeah. in age. But one guy could you know, fight for the assist lead in the NHL. The other guy is going to be fighting for the goal lead in the NHL this year. And yeah. that'd be a really strong way to start your draft. And again, I think it just speaks to the value that Kane's offering this year too. Right. Cause again, you talk about how Kane could lead the league in assists, but also like what's his projected goal total as a part from, from Obi's it's probably like five less. Right. Like, so I have uh, Patrick Kane projected for 33 goals, 61 assists, um, Ovechkin at 46 goals, 30 assists. So, so you're a little high on Ovi. I'd say that's maybe a little bit favorable for Ovi and then a, probably a, a floor and for Kane, right? Yeah. But again, not that big of a margin for when you consider that Kane's going to double him up in the assist category. 100%. So yeah, again, uh, just trying to show the type of value you're getting with Patrick Kane this year. I think if you're drafting anywhere near uh, the end of the first round and uh, you know Ranton and Pashnak are, are off the board, Kane's the guy that you're going to want to target because, like you said, he can give you production that's going to look pretty similar to a guy like McKinnon at the end of the day, and it's going to be at a rarer position. So just to let you guys know, um, the first four guys we've talked about right now on Fandrax, um, Yahoo, and ESPN, all four of them just strict right wing uh, eligibility this season. Same goes for the number five guy on our list, which is Mitch Marner. So to me, Mitch Marner um, is pretty clearly... Um, the start, if not in his own second tier, um, I think that he's a little bit behind those first four guys. Biebs, I wish he was here to kind of defend himself as to why he ranks him above uh, Patrick Kane. But you as a Maple Leafs fan, obviously, lots of knowledge. Uh, you've watched lots of lots of Mitch, Mitch Marner. But to me, this also feels like a guy that you're getting tremendous value on right now. Um, no, not a very large discrepancy at all between his ADP on Fantrax and Yahoo!, uh, the ADP right now, 14.8. So, you know, you could reasonably start your draft um, with, with one of the best left-wingers in the game. I, I, I believe um, Artemi Panarin. Yeah, Artemi Panarin right now, ADP is 11. So you could really start your draft with Panarin, um, Mitch Marner. Might be chasing goals a little bit if you do so, but 
Uh, the point production is going to be through the roof. So Mitch Marner coming off of you know a, a disappointing playoff, but the regular season performance year in and year out uh, is is absolutely there. Yeah, you know we're talking going now three straight seasons of him again comfortably being above a point per game pace. Uh, last year had his best year um, shooting the puck as well. Um, twenty goals in fifty five games would have been on pace for twenty nine over a full eighty two game season. Uh, his shot volume is actually really great, uh, right around three shots a game, which is what we talk about what we love. I think anyone who watches the Leafs on the regular know that he maybe doesn't have the best shot. Sorry, Mitch, it's obviously not the strength of his game. It's probably why he looks to pass as much as he does as well. Uh, just doesn't have the hardest shot, I should say. He's got a very accurate shot on his day and can, can definitely pick a corner. Um, but you obviously feel a lot better about Austin Matthews beating the goalie straight up from the slot than Mitch Marner. Um, and again, all to say is that you love the shot volume and, and it really helps to cover for that. And if he did even have a good year, even just a fluky year shooting the puck, then, uh, you know, we're looking at potentially a, a top five fantasy player. And that's the upside there because he's a Maple Leaf. Nobody's sleeping on that upside. I do think he's kind of in his tier with Stamkos is what I would say. That's who we have yeah. at six. I, I do think that him and Stamkos, certainly an argument to be made. I personally went back and forth on it a bit. Uh, it just comes down to goal scoring, right? Like I said, Marner was on pace for career year and goals last year over a full 82, still just 30 goals, right? That's child's play for Steven Stamkos. Uh, 34 points in 38 games last year. He was banged up. Obviously, no Nikita Kucherov. We expect big things, obviously, out of Tampa this year. We already talked about how much they're going to lean on their top six. And, obviously, we expect the power play to be uh, that much better with Kucherov there for the full season. So, uh, I, I think, you know, 34 and 38, 34 points in 38 games. Uh, still shot at a great clip, which is nothing new for, for Steven Stamkos. Um but I, I really think that we can see him get back to above, you know, the, the point pace or point production pace anyway that he was at the last few seasons, which is pretty similar to what Marner does. Again, generally around five to ten points above that point per game pace, somewhere in the eighty-five to ninety-five point range. Uh, I think Stamkos will get back to that this season. I think he'll give you close to 35, 40 goals easily in the process. Uh, so that's why you know there's a real conversation to be had there uh, over Marner, but. Marner's really got that 100-point potential like you talked about. I, I think he's got, you know, maybe a McDavid injury away from an Art Ross trophy. Uh, not to say that it's going to happen, or it, it could happen, right? If McDavid misses some time, dry settles, production drops off, yada, yada, yada. Marner, obviously, you could see him by, vying for a guy with Patrick Kane. Guys, they've had similar point totals the last few years. That's where I'm getting at here. That's the upside with Marner, just in, ter in terms of point production. Obviously, Stamkos' goal scoring goes that way. So you just got to know your league when it comes down to it. Uh, but yeah. So I think that, you know, I, I've looked around and, and seen some rankings on other sites and not only am I daily face off high on Steven Simpkos, but it seems like the rest of the earth is sleeping on this guy. Um, so if you want to talk about draft day value, you know, Patrick Kane, 13, Mitch Marner, 14, Steven Stamkos, 34.8 right now. It's like nobody is drafting this guy. I think part of it is the injury factor. He has been injured in recent seasons. There is a chance something pops up again. Is he a little bit riskier on draft day because of that? For sure. Just to go back to Marner really quickly, if we want to play the extrapolation game, which is always fun to do, uh, over 82 games rates over the last three seasons, 26 goals, 69 assists for 95 points for Mitch Marner. Yeah. Uh, again, over just the last two seasons now for Steven Stamkos, because if we really want to kind of get a feel for what his floor is, because, you know, he had a 98-point season in 2019. But if you want to just take a look at his couple of down, 
banged up years. 39 goal, 47 assist, 86 point per 82 game pace. Yeah, and about and half that, of that coming without Kucherov. Too. Exactly. And, and if you want to include that 2019 stat line, then the numbers are through the roof. He scored 45 goals with 53 assists. I mean, yeah. then, then we're talking 45 goals, 50 assists. Both these guys have tremendous upside. Steven Samkos, I think I'm going to draft that guy, unless I'm in a league with you, <laughs> in about every single league I can get my hands on him because he is going way too late right now. Yeah, and we know what the upside is. If he's healthy, you know, he probably would be going closer towards the, you know, end of the start of the second round probably, right? Even at this point in his career. Um, but you get it with ADP, right? Obviously, Marner being a, a Leaf in general, uh, he's, a, he's a hot commodity, but still, they're at completely opposite ends uh, of their career trajectories too, right? And not that Stamkos has started to, to falling off, but he's getting at that age. He's on the wrong side of 30 now where people are kind of waiting for him to fall off, right? And I think that's already baked into his ADP a little bit. People seeing his point production last year, like you said, people remember how injury prone he's been the last few seasons. For me, he's got a clean bill of health right now. Kutra's got a clean bill of health. Should have to rely on that top six a lot. So, uh, yeah, keep monitoring it. But if there are no, you know, warning signs or red flags in terms of Stamkos' health heading into the season, I wouldn't be too worried about it, um, and I'd be ready to draft him. Uh, obviously, it is a concern, like you said, more so than it is uh, than a guy uh, like Marner. Yeah. Um, so you understand that, that kind of coming down to the tiebreaker. But, yeah, the upside with Stamkos is, is through the roof if he can stay healthy. So, again, like I mentioned, average ADP 34 right now. You know, I bake in some injury concerns with these guys. So I haven't projected for just 73 games, missing roughly 10 games on the season. 34 goals, 44 assists, 78 points, probably pretty conservative. But that still has them coming out ahead of guys like Mika Zibanejad, Alex Dabrinkat, Jake Gensel, John Tavares, guys that you know we really like this year. And Stamkos is right up there in that tier, and he's going much later than all of these guys right now. Yeah, and offering better position eligibility than a lot of them. Yes, he's center, he is center right wing on Yahoo. He is center right wing on Fantrax, and he is strictly centered on ESPN. ESPN, if you guys are still playing there, I don't know why you are. They're behind the times in the position eligibility. Bro, their standard league scoring, I don't even know what the fuck it is. I can't even remember <laughs> because it's so ugly. Do you know who number 14 14 on ADP is on ESPN right now. I'll give you a hint on his position. Defense. Who do you think it is? What, is it a good Alec pick? Alec fucking it? Martinez. Oh, no. Alec Martinez, because they offered like .1 or .2. I don't know what it is for a block shot. Alec Martinez is 14 ADP he does stack them up. on ESPN right now. Oh, oh my God. He's a great DraftKings play because there's block shots on there. But like to play in a season-long <laughs> league where motherfucking... Alec Martinez yeah. is going in the 12th. Thir- hey, let me start my draft with yeah. Patrick Kane, Alec Martinez. What are we doing here? You know he's a good shot blocker because he's blocking shots on a good team, too. Oh, my God. Just. Are you, so you wouldn't draft him with your second round over, uh, For sure not. <laughs> for sure not. Um, it's just insane. But yeah. uh, anyways, let's continue now. With and our- again, that's what we're talking about, right? Like, I don't understand. Like Even in 10 to 12 category leagues you introduce one category. It's not like all of a sudden, just because a guy gets you a lot in that one category that he should be getting drafted in the second round. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not how it works. So, like, and, that, and that's kind of what I do with my, like with my ranking. So I, I offer customizable rankings where you can go and, and make your own rankings based off of your league settings. Yeah. And when you introduce a new category, it, it shuffles things around. But like, only a player like... Brady Kachuk 
who is offering you 300 and 300 upside in the shots and hits categories should really break that. And again, that's, there's not a yeah, whole lot of... Because that's because there's leagues that'll have shots and hits versus standard might not have either, right? It just depends. Exactly. So, and, and that's why I kind of just gave up this year in trying to make just rankings because of your leagues are just going to be completely different. So go put, you, go put your stats in, figure out where you should be drafting these guys. But uh, let's stick with the Vegas Knights now. Vegas Golden Knights, sorry. Um, and this is where... I wouldn't say that the right wing starts to fall off, but definitely the oh, yeah. start of a, a, of a new tier. Yeah. Um, and you start to get into some guys that, you know, aren't maybe even going to be pushing a point per game this season. Um, but at number seven, we've got Mark Stone. Uh, I have him at eight. You have him right at seven. Um, Biebs has him at six. So again, just Shane Biebs is here to kind of uh, give us his reasoning behind Stamkos, that. He has Stamkos at seven? Stamkos at seven, Mark Stone gotta at just be. six. The injuries scaring Biebs. It's got to be. I was gonna say pure insanity, but uh, it's got to. It's got to be, be the the injuries. And you know what? I think it's warranted to a yeah. certain degree. Um, but I, I think like you know, and, and Mark Stone's great. Mark Stone is one of the best real life hockey players on earth. Um, he's done nothing but produce since arriving in Vegas in his first two full seasons if you want to call him full he's over a point per game 42 goals 82 assists 124 points in uh, 120 games when we talk about my projections which always i like to do i have projected at 27 goals 50 assists 77 points so right around the same point total output as stamkos but about six less goals yeah and and he's projected to play more games so if stamkos can stay healthy Sky's the limit, and we know his upside is 50 goals. Yeah, well, my biggest concern with Stone, um, his shot volume kind of fell off a cliff a bit last year. He shot 21.4% and still only scored 21 times, uh, and that's because he only had 98 shots on net in 55 games. I, I do wonder how much of that is kind of just bad luck, or, you know, it's, it is funny because at the same, the same year that he had his most accurate year in terms of shooting percentage, he had, like, his least accurate year in terms of hitting the net because almost – Half of his shot attempts missed the net, which is uh, a huge spike in, in terms of what he had uh, the year before. So, you know, just as a reference, or all of his years before, but the year before that, he had 168 shots on net out of 275 shot attempts. Uh, last season, he had 98 shot, uh, 98 shots on goal out of 173 shot attempts. So uh, a big spike there. That kind of thing uh, tends to level out a bit over time. So I do kind of think that, you know, we would have seen his shot volume kind of creep up back to normal over full 82 if he had been given time to regress in that sense. But it is kind of really weird. Like I said, the same year that you see that spike in him, you know, hitting the net uh, or missing the net, sorry, he's also had his best year personal shooting percentage-wise. So a little bit of red flags there with Mark Stone. There was a couple of weird things going on um, within his numbers last year that led to that 61-point season in 55 games. So I am slightly concerned. 12.4 on a shooting percentage too. Yeah. So there, there was a lot that went his way. I don't think that you can look at Mark Stone and see that, you know, he had 61 points, 55 games and say, great, you know, he's comfortable in Vegas now, 90 point guy. I don't think that's the case. Definitely not. I, I'd be, you know, uh, much more surprised if he's closer to 90 than he is 70 this season. I, I think that's where he'll settle in. Uh, if I think if he comes away at a point per game, you count yourself lucky uh, yeah. depending on where you are, you know, with where he's going. Uh, and what you can reasonably expect. And then the other thing is he just, in general, doesn't score that many goals, which I think you already touched on. So, um, yeah, in terms of point production, I think just a little bit more reliable than any of the guys we're going to talk about below him, and that's why I have him at number seven. Uh, but he's not without his red flags. I have him uh, with the lowest shot volume 
of any of my top 40 forwards in terms of a standard scoring league without yeah. hits. So, a podcast that loves shot volume, it's hard to be... Like, Mark Stone is, is almost an outlier for us on this show in terms of what we are looking for in terms of fantasy production and future fantasy production. But he just gets it done kind of a different way. Um, and, and he is really always, consistent. And he's always done it that yeah. way. Right? He doesn't he doesn't miss many games. He's always on the ice and he he's pretty much, you know, a, a lock for close to a point per game. Um 25-45 if he can stay healthy. So exactly. Probably yeah. like I said, around 70 points, right? That's where you would kind of expect him to come in at. I, I I don't think he's gonna be as fortunate as he was last year over a full eighty two. And yeah, he lands at he lands at number seven for us kind of unspectacularly, right? Like he the ceiling's not there. The guy's below... The, the next guy in particular, Nikolai Ehlers. I actually have him ranked uh, one spot ahead uh, of Mark Stone. I know you're going to talk about Nick Ehlers a lot more in, in a little bit uh, as somebody that you really like to break out this year. Yeah, well, I got another breakout too, so we can talk about it, we can talk about it now. But uh, yeah, and I, I do get it. The more we talk about it, I, I do kind of wish I had the stones to move him up <laughs> stones, uh, <laughs> a spot further um like you did i didn't look at your rankings before so i thought i was being a little bit renegade even having Ehlers as, as high as as high as eight um but yeah i love Ehlers. i you know again just talked about red flags that we, we saw in stone's numbers last season everything that i saw from Ehlers last year makes me think that you know this newfound point per game pace is legit kind of been waiting for him to take that step uh for the last few seasons we thought that would ha- come with more ice time. That didn't really happen. He just got that much better. Uh, maybe see, you know, being a little more opportunistic and and how they're utilizing him. Uh, definitely getting more run with the top power play unit, just as an example. But still, just 16 minutes and 55 seconds worth of ice time last night. Um, last and night. Last, last night. Last season. Thank you. Uh, and it's no wonder why, right? Blake Wheeler is there eating up a ton of minutes. To me, this just feels like it's the right year to it makes sense to pull back on Wheeler's minutes because he is still playing a ton. He's going to be 35 years old this year uh, and freedom to this young phenom. You have an Ehlers coming into his age 25 season. I think definitely Ehlers could play a couple more minutes per night. I think definitely Wheeler could play a couple less minutes per night. Um, and I think you could kind of see their point productions flip this season. I think Wheeler, we could kind of see settle in at around a 30, 30 pace. If he does see that down, take an ice time, if he's not playing with Shifley and I think Ehlers, if he finally gets that, um, that opportunity that I think he's due at this point, uh, is going to go right to replacing the production that, that Wheeler has done the last few years. And again, that 90 point kind of reliable production, right? I, like I said, I think everything about his point per game production last season was legit. I think if you give him two more minutes of ice time now, then who knows what Ehlers is really capable of. So uh, again, it's 47 games. So while I think it was legit, still a very small sample size. He's got to do that over full 82. He's got to do it year upon year. And that's why we have him ranked below the guys ahead of him. Again, I'm kind of thinking I should have him above Stone now just because I like his floor to be pretty close to what we think Stone's going to do. And you know what I think of his upside. So yeah, I think Ehlers, like I said, sky's the limit. And I certainly think uh, him and Wheeler's production flip-flop this year. It's just a matter of with uh, whether Paul Maurice thinks the same. Still Paul Maurice, right? Yeah, it is still Paul Maurice. Felt like an off-season where he would lose his job. But. No, didn't happen. Um, so my projections are all like minutes-based too, right? So when I bump up a guy's minutes, the projections naturally follow. I conservatively projected Ehlers at just over 17 and a half minutes a night, which would still represent a bump in ice time, which he should earn. But he could Actually, go, two shifts a night, basically. Yeah, he could go two minutes more. Yeah. And his, the sky would be the limit for him. So, at seventeen point six minutes a night, 
I have him falling in at 33 goals, 39 assists for 72 points in 78 games. I think that's a pretty conservative projection because uh, obviously there, there's a chance where he doesn't see that uptick and, and he kind of busts a little bit. But his ADP right now is 56.6 on Fantrax, 59.7 on Yahoo, 58 overall. Um, this is a fifth round player that could play himself into the top two rounds next year. Yep. He is absolutely electric. If you take a look at his final 23 games of last season, he averaged 3.1 shots per game. And if you extrapolate them over an 82 games season, 35 goals, 46 assists. Fucking absurd. Yeah. He's a, and again, he's been a a fan of the show, friend of the show for a long Long time time. now. We've been uh, pumping his tires. The show's been a fan of his really. Yes. Probably since launch. So, um, yeah, it's great to see him finally performing. Again, we thought that boost in production would come uh, with a boost in ice time last year. It didn't really. He's just taking his game to the next level. I think he's that good of a player. That power play is going to be great all season long. They're bottom six. I don't think they're as deep as they've been in the past. I think whether it's Stastny or Dubois centering that second line. And Dubois should take a step forward. Dubois yeah. was not Pierre-Luc Dubois yeah. of his Blue Jackets days in his first year in Winnipeg. Yeah. If he comes back and has a bounce back year, that might be one of the best top six in the NHL. And it doesn't matter if he's playing with Shifley or Dubois. Most likely he's going to be playing with Dubois because that's just how they do it. Yeah. But if Dubois is the player that we think he is, Wheeler's going to blow up. Yeah, he could be playing with Wheeler too, right? They've, they've still done that in recent years too, but put Wheeler at center and, and leave Dubois on the way. So, there's a lot of options here, but I do think no matter which way you break it down, that, that forward group, on much as anything else, like we said, I expect Wheeler's ice time to fall off, but it's not as deep as it has been in years past. I think regardless, they're going to have to play that top six more, and I think Wheeler's just a guy that's begging for more minutes, uh, and I think Maurice has to realize that. Like It's just an obvious solution here to these guys getting older and older and playing a ton of minutes. Yeah, This guy is ready to take over. the. He's ready to take the lead for a team that has a ton of great scoring options. He's that good. Yeah, I wrote him up today, and I, I think that like I'm, I'm, we're lockstep here with Healers. He's going to be exceptional, and we have him ranked a little bit higher than everybody else, so make sure you get uh, your hands on Nick Healers this year. Just to, uh, Eligibility, too? Is that, I know he carried dual wing forever. So Healers is left wing on ESPN, uh, left wing, right wing on Yahoo, Boom. just left wing on Fantrax. Yahoo leagues? That guy should be going, I don't know, probably a round or two earlier than he is. Yeah top 40 again haven't been spending a lot of my time looking at the overall rankings but dual wing eligibility on top of everything we talked about get him did not miss a game in three of his last five seasons last year uh missed about nine games so a guy that relatively clean bill of health couple banged up seasons but full complement of games three out of the last five so uh let's move on here to number nine and ten we have matthew kachuk and Elias Lindholm, both of the Calgary Flames. Uh, <laughs> Rankings-wise, I have Kachuk ahead of Lindholm. You have Lindholm ahead of Kachuk. Biebs has Kachuk ahead of Lindholm. All very similar. Uh, you have your boy Blake Wheeler bumped up a little bit, but we'll get to him in a couple minutes. Kachuk and Lindholm at 9 and 10. Yeah, we all have them back-to-back anyway. Um, and it is a bit of a toss-up. Obviously, Kachuk's coming off a bit of a down year, 43 points. Just 16 goals in, uh, in 56 games. Uh, Lindholm, I, I think, you know, to me, it just seems like Lindholm gets more run on the top line. He gets a little bit more power play time. Uh, and that was Way really, more ice time overall. Yeah, and that was really all it came down to. I, I think his goal scoring in the last few years anyway has been a little bit more reliable. They're, they're probably 
Um, again, it's a toss-up, right? Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, Lindholm has shown just a bit of a higher ceiling when we're talking in, in standard leagues. You know, that year he had a couple of seasons ago when Calgary 1 was really popping off with 78 points and 81 games. So, uh, yeah, I think at this point, again, maybe another drop-off in, uh, in tiers here. Uh, but I, I probably right because I think Ehlers, like we talked about, could probably go over Stone. So, yeah, this is where it starts to get a little bit dicey, right? Yeah. Um, and it ju- I really think this pick just comes down to personal preference. Obviously, if it's a banger league, you're taking Kachuk. Um, his ADP is super, super high because of banger leagues. Uh, I think it's a little inflated, even for hits leagues. Like I said, if you're in a 10-category league and hits is one of the categories, I don't think that Matt Kachuk just all of a sudden should be going in the third round. But, um, yeah, you know, obviously there's still a lot of upside there. 77 points in 80 games a couple years ago for Kachuk. So, Again, a couple of guys that have fluctuated a lot in recent years. That top line performance has fluctuated a lot. That top six in general. You know, Monaghan's kind of fallen off a cliff, come back for a few games and fallen off again. So a uh, lot of question marks with Calgary in general. And I think that's why we have them as low as we do. And I think that's why we have them right next to each other. Because uh, it's really tough to call who's going to be getting the minutes on that team. Uh, because sooner or later, Kachuk should be getting more minutes and, and should be playing on the top line. Um, but yeah, it's like I said, it's just too tough to call. There's a lot of moving parts on that team. I don't think we expect any of them to really be, you know, warranting a, a draft spot ahead of the guys before them. Uh, we like more than the guys behind them. We can say as much as that. And it's probably because they both had those great seasons a couple of years ago. Um, so they've, they flashed that upside, but yeah, just, uh, a lot of question marks here. Nowhere near as safe as a picks as uh, as safe of a pick as the guys we talked about before them. Yeah, I have Kachuk ranked one spot ahead of Lindholm, but if it came down to it, just based on current ADP, I know that it's probably more hits leagues that are inflating Kachuk right now at 41.7, 78.4 for Lindholm. I would obviously much rather have Lindholm in that slot. Um, if you're in a non-hits league, I'd imagine Kachuk falls down a little bit. But really, split hairs here. 29.7 goals, 41.2 assists per 82 games for Lindholm. 29.2 goals, 43.2 assists for Kachuk over the last two years. Really not a whole lot of difference in my overall rankings. They are separated by one spot uh, and, and, you know, almost identical numbers across the board. Kachuk shoots a little bit more, hits a little bit more as well, uh, which kind of gives him the edge. I, again, I'm not ranking hits, but the, the shot point was just the one thing that kind of separates him. It's not a lot though. 218 shots to 190 shots for Lindholm. So split hairs here. I think that I kind of thought that after last year, after how many people he burned, I thought Kachuk could come in as a bargain this year. But then the hits leagues yeah. just they'll skyrocket. Never, they'll never let the Kachuk brothers fall too far. No, absolutely not. But all right, I'm not even going to try to talk about Blake Wheeler here because he is <laughs> your boy through and through. I have him at 12. You have him at 9. Biebs has him at 11. Turns out to be our number 11 overall consensus right winger. Take it away, Blake. <laughs> well, he's 35 these days, as you might know. And again, I, I do kind of anticipate him uh, maybe continuing this slight decline we've seen in recent years. Uh, has failed to hit a point a point per game in each of the last two seasons after having consecutive 91-point campaigns uh, in the 2017-18 and 2018-19 season. So he's getting older. Even last year, his ice time was on the decline. Obviously, like I said before, that's a trend. Um, that I expect, that we expect to continue this season. Um, so yeah, you know, his shot volume slightly on the decline as well. Um, used to be a guy that you could rely on to get three shots a game. The last couple of seasons, that's fallen closer and closer to two shots a game. So 
Um, yeah, the decline is coming. I still think across a full 82 games, he's still going to be playing, uh, you know, a relatively a lot of minutes. I, I think absolute hit floor for him is probably still about 17 minutes of ice time. He's still going to be playing on the power play because he's a phenomenal passer. Um, and yeah, he's going to be getting a lot of ice time with a lot of good players like we talked about in, the, in that top six still. Um, he is on the decline. You know, the, the numbers suggest it. I don't think he can get around it. And again, I think his role is going to get smaller and smaller. Um, but I still think 17 minutes a night playing on that power play, um, you can still pencil him in for 65 points and, and really bank on it across the full 82. Uh, whereas for me, Lindholm and Kachuk, there's just too many moving parts there with each of them uh, for me to turn my back on my guy, Blake Wheeler. The interesting thing about just going back to Kachuk and Lindholm for a minute is that like realistically Lindholm is probably more of a center. Like he plays center almost strictly at the NHL level now. Uh, fantasy, he's a right winger because if you have him as your like number two center, you're probably number one center, you're probably fucked. Right. Uh, but they play together and their their production can go in lockstep, and that's kind of why we have them probably together. Where Wheeler. I just don't know where he... I think like he needs to be with Shifley to be really productive. Um, again, I, I know it's probably contradicting myself because I do think that Dubois is going to be better this year, but I just... I'm worried about the shot volume. The shot volume was always... And this is what we talked about all the time. Is it saved his ass. Yeah, but the assists are still going to be there. That's what I said. In points leagues, like I, that's why I still feel 17 minutes tonight, even if he falls off, he's not playing with Shifley, he's still going to be on that top power play because he's still the best passer that they have on that team. Still one of the best passers in the league. So uh, it's going to keep him afloat, I think. And, and like I said, it, it should keep his point production uh, well above water still, um, at least for this next season. That's how I feel about it. I have him projected for 18.4 minutes a night, uh, finishing the year with 21 goals, 49 assists. So obviously assist total right around 50 is still there. But the goal scoring... Again, yeah, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes with 15 goals in 82 games. Yeah, like, yeah, Shoffley really cratered last year, and, and that was a, a concern. But uh, he really is just kind of... We talk about it here. In, in these this part of the ranking, seemingly every single week, it's like, you could take this guy who might fuck you, yeah. or you could take Blake Wheeler, or like last week it was... it was Or two weeks ago it was John Tavar. Like, those guys that are right around 10, you know what you're getting from them. Might not be spectacular, but it still might be better than what's coming to the guys yeah. behind. And again, it's just you got to know. It depends on what you built in your roster at that point. If you can, you know, if you've got a lot of stability baked in your team already, and you think, hey, maybe I need, uh, or maybe I can afford to go for a bit of a flashier pick here, someone I think can really break through. Uh, you know, change those underlying numbers or improve on those underlying numbers to something that we haven't seen yet. Then you know, by all means, go for it. But if you know, if you get to this point in the draft, and maybe you've got. A guy like Stamkos and a couple of other guys who, whether it be through injury concern or just through things like shot volume, that there's some concern there uh, and maybe not as solid a picks. Then Blake Weir is a great guy that you can add to your lineup at that point because he's going really, really deep in leagues. So he's going outside the top 15 for right wing, I'm pretty sure. Blake Wheeler right now, current ADP, 79.2 on fan tracks, 96.6 on Yahoo That's what I was looking at. for an ADP of 87.9. So Blake Wheeler getting absolutely no respect on Yahoo, total steal. Uh, if we take a look just really quickly at the right wing rankings there, he is, just give me a second, uh, going behind Alexander Radulov, who was my bust last week, 1, 2, th- 16, 15 overall, so right on the edge. Oh, it's dropped even further. So obviously, if you, this is if, with if people, you, anyone if that you, has right wing eligibility, if you account, yeah, yeah, anybody 
with right wing eligibility twenty two. Yeah. So overall. Uh, probably a 15-16 for in terms of primary right, right wing for the guys that we're we're focusing on. But which still, again, even four spots behind where you would Beebs have them, who are not. Oh, much yes, not, well, not much less of a Wheeler apologist. Well, and, and, and here we go though. I mean, I have them ahead of these guys. Next two on the list, very closely ranked for us is William Nylander and Brock Besser, two players, tremendous, yeah. uh, tremendous hockey players. Neither one of them have been over a point per game uh, in the last couple seasons, if ever. Uh, you know, obviously Brock Besser a little bit more of a goal scorer than uh, than Blake Wheeler, but you can get a, a point per game player, Blake Wheeler, and yeah. you know you might get seven more goals out of one of these guys. Yeah, well, let's talk about who we got. Willie Nylander is number twelve. Uh, you're our least. Our Leafs guy, so I'll let you take the reins here. I, I don't even know what to say about Nylander at this point. Because I, I feel like, you know, I was surprised to see him ADP as low as he was. But then I looked at the numbers, I'm like, yeah, that's that's about right with where his production's been the last few years. As somebody who watches them every single night. He looks amazing. Why did his <laughs> minutes drop from 18-13 to 16-36 last year? The hmm. Jason Spezza factor? I do think they ended up rolling all four lines uh, a little bit more last season. He did drop down the lineup at, at times last year. I think in the playoffs, he was their best player, though. Um, and he goes through stretches like that. I, I think he's a bit streakier. He doesn't kill penalties. So, uh, you know, he's not the guy that you're going to rely to put in at, at the end of games. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But I will say that, uh, you know, the year before that was almost the outlier a little bit too, right? His career average in ice time is 1637. Yep. So it's almost like it dropped back down um, to what it was before. But yeah, I just, it, you know, it, it seems like, and especially, you know, as the Leafs get older and older and as they start paying their big guys and as they have been paying their big, the, the depth's not there, right? Like they need to rely on this top six. So you would expect them to play more this season. Uh, it makes sense for him to be closer to 18 minutes a night. Um, you'd have to ask Sheldon Keefe why exactly he didn't play. Sure, Drew, I'm sorry. I'm sure I put you on the spot there, Coach Keefe. No, I just had to really think about it because, yeah, like he had he had his struggles last year. He had his cold streaks. Um, but, I, you know, he always passed the eye test. And that's what I think about Neil. If you watch him play, he looks like a fantastic player. Uh, like I said, I think most Leafs fans would agree he was their best player in the postseason, their brief postseason spell last year. Shocking. Um, but yeah, he's just, it's a really interesting case because you look at a guy that, you look at his talent and you think he should be an absolute slam dunk to do 30-30 every year, when in reality he's only done it once in his career. He should be playing with great players regardless. Um, they did play him on the third line a ton last season uh, and kind of have him be like the focal and driving point of the third line, which I get it, but probably not getting the best out of him, especially from a fantasy perspective. Um, so yeah, I think that's why he finds himself uh at number 12 here on our consensus rankings actually higher than when i had him in my personal rankings uh and it's simply because you're not quite sure what his role is going to be you can't rely on him being on that top power play for the full season because honestly most of the time the last few years he hasn't been um and yeah obviously if they're going with you know their best five guys on the top unit he'll be there um with babcock and still with keith more, more often than not that hasn't been the case so yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens with all that next season? I think there's a lot of concerns there. I think obviously uh, there's nowhere near the reliability uh, than the guys that we talked about above him. He just hasn't shown it nearly as much, but you still feel really good about him giving you a 60-65 point season with the potential for more depending on how that lineup shakes out. So you talked about being the best player in the playoffs. 
Five goals, three assists in seven playoff games. Over a playoff game. Outstanding. 14 games leading up to the playoffs. Four goals, 12 assists, 16 points in 14 games to close out the season. Yeah. From the middle of February, sorry, end of February, from the after the first 20 games, first 20 games he wasn't great. His final 31 games of the season, he had 28 points. 32 goal, 42 assists per 82 game pace. That's 74 points over 82 games. Yeah. That is the level of production that you could get out of him. The good thing about him at the moment is... Yeah, with the 16-43 time on ice in that span, yes. too. And again, Leaf Nation, that whole finishing stretch and the whole postseason, just calling for this guy to get more minutes, and it didn't happen. So that's a bit of a concern here this year, too. But On Yahoo right now, 102.3. If you can get a 74-point player, 30-40 guy at, at 102.3, you're laughing. Uh, a little bit higher, and it seems like Fantrax is a little bit more on the ball with the upside that this guy has, 69.2. So between the two sites, 85.7 uh, ADP. But yeah, I think that there there is plenty of upside here. Um, I think that there's a reason I ranked him at 13 uh, and ahead of some of these other guys we're about to talk about. And it, it's just because I think just think he has more upside when it comes down to it i think everyone feels that way right i think you can ask any honest hockey fan that doesn't have a huge grudge against the maple leafs and and they'll say that we probably haven't seen the best of william nylander to this point uh in his career and you know we might not see an increase on that if, if the ice time doesn't improve you would think if he continues to play as well as he finished last year that the increase in ice time would naturally come here's hoping uh, again, he doesn't play in all situations. I really don't see that changing. That's a big reason why Marner plays so much more than he does. Uh, and they both play predominantly on the right side. Uh, so that's not going to change anytime soon either. Uh, loves playing Marner with Matthews. Matthews is going to play 20 minutes a night. Uh, so again, all these things potentially um, capping Nylander's ice time this season. And again, uh, when Keith has looked to stretch out the lineup in the last few seasons. Nylander has been the guy to fall down at the third line. So yeah, he just he that's just, the concern. Everything's there. working against this guy. That's really. the concern. But again, everything I'm talking about has nothing to do with the player. He's a fantastic player. His production and limited ice time looks great. But he's not a guy like Ehlers where you, you can look at him in this season and think, okay, this guy is going to get two more extra minutes of ice time. It you know, or it very reasonably could happen and it should happen. Should it happen with Nylander? Probably. Um, but because they play that top line as much as they do, and because Nylander almost you know exclusively doesn't play in a lot of um, defensive situations, a lot of defensive zone draws, that's probably why it, ice time ends up being capped closer to 16 minutes than you know 18 or 19. So if that happened, again, another guy that we're talking about could be seeing a serious breakout because yeah, it really does feel like uh, we've never seen the best from Nylander or what he has to offer in terms of hard production. Talking about his ADP on Yahoo at 102.3, just some notables that he's going behind right now. TJ Oshie, Alexander Radulov, Martin Echas, David Perron. I think a number of those guys, I mean, none of those guys cracked our top 15. So it's very clear that we're obviously higher on Nylander, but uh, should, should come as tremendous value, uh, especially in Yahoo leagues. If you're on fan tracks, like you should be, maybe a little bit more difficult to grab him. Um, All right. Left wing, right wing in Yahoo for Nylander. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I guess if we want to just roll through it. I just... Nylander has strict I right thought wing, maybe he had strict, center. Strict right wing on fan tracks. Uh, Yahoo, left wing, right wing. Um, and ESPN... Just center. No, I'm just kidding. It would be a very 
ESPN thing to do. I can't remember who it was. They have somebody at center. I tweeted about it. I think it was Verona. Strict center, eligibility on ESPN. He's taken like 14 face-offs in his career. <laughs> but, all right, moving on here to our 13, 14, 15 of our consensus ranking. Yep. 13 is Brock Besser. 14 is Sam Reinhart. And 15 is Patrick Line. So, uh, spoiler alert, Patrick Line is uh, Biebs' sleeper. So, we're going to let him kind of take the reins on Patrick Line later in the show. Sam Reinhart is one of your breakouts for this upcoming season. We'll save him for a few more minutes. Brock Besser, let's focus on him here at our number 13 uh, overall right winger scored a 34 per 82 game 34 goal per 82 game pace a season to go 23 goals 26 assists 49 points in 56 games uh, played the most ice time of his career at 1919 also shot the highest clip of his career at 60.3 percent on a shooting percentage of 12.7 also the highest so a couple of red flags uh, for Brock Besser but also you've got the potential return well not potential the return of Elias Pedersen this year which should help uh, if they end up on a line together, uh, they have played together uh, quite a bit in the past, so you'd imagine that they could be reunited again. But uh, Brock Besser uh, is not somebody that's really going to like blow the wheels off of it, but somebody that you can rely on uh, for pretty solid production. A season ago, uh, it, they were you know the best line that the Canucks had to offer was JT Miller, Elias Pedersen, and Brock Besser in terms of expected goals for for sixty, almost three. Uh, so you'd imagine that they'd be reunited uh, heading into the season and, and Besser should be in for another good year. I mean, last year he was on pace for over 30 goals for the first time in his career. Uh, he's flashed that 30 assist uh, upside before. I mean, at 26 and 56 a year ago, even with some regression coming his way, I think a little bit of a boost nice time that he got last year. Uh, I think that this is a guy that you could reasonably expect to score 30-30. And I think the biggest thing with him is he didn't miss a game last year. He stayed healthy for the full season. That really was the only thing holding him back those few years before that. Obviously had a bit of a down year in 2019-20 uh, where he scored just 16 goals but still had 45 points that year in 57 games. Uh, the two years before that though, right? Missed uh, 13 games in 2018-19 or actually wasn't that much because the short year but 69 games in 2018-19 uh, and then obviously the rookie year he started out on an absolute tear then I think it was a shoulder injury I'm not, not going to try to guess but he obviously missed a, a couple months there finished with just 62 games played 1819 uh, was not a short season so he still missed 11 games oh, thank year. you so just, yeah so I, I thought I remember him picking up a couple of you know uh, not big injuries but once that keep you stuff, out for yeah. four to six weeks sort of thing um, so completely shook that last season, which was really great to see. And I, I honestly, that's the only reason he hasn't top 30 goals yet. Right? Yeah, 100%. I, I think of Brock Besson, I think of a really reliable goal scorer, right? And more reliable than these other guys going behind him. And that's why, um, I had him even ranked above Nylander. Cause I do think obviously he's going to be a focal point on that team. I think potential breakout. If he sees that same amount of ice time, uh, stays healthy this season. I think he can absolutely maintain that production. Uh, maybe top 70 points for the first time in his career. I mean, he hasn't even topped 60 points yet, but again, staying healthy is a big, big part of that. So 100%. He, and, you know, still a reasonable concern. We saw it for one year, which is awesome to see, but obviously still has a, more of an injury track record with how little games he's actually played in his NHL career relative to some of the guys going around him. So um, a bit of a concern there, but again, can't ask for anything more. The guy played 56 every single game in a condensed schedule, um, and he looked phenomenal. So 
If he can stay healthy this year, I think he's going to be playing a ton with some really great players on that top line that he talked about, one in particular in Elias Pettersson. Uh, and I think he could repeat what he did with his point production with his goal scoring last year, and he could really be in for uh, a career year. And I, like I said, I think his production is reliable when he's healthy, so that's why I have him uh, as high as 12. Yeah, so the one thing that's crazy about Besser is like if he just shot even just a little bit more, he'd be unbelievable, mm-hmm. right? Uh, on pace last year for 206 shots. Uh, he had 209 shots in just 69 games in 2019. If he could return to that level of shot volume, he could really break out this year. Uh, it, it's hard to imagine that, but... Well, that was Patterson's breakout year too, right? Yeah. So again, so, that has a lot to do with it. He hasn't had the best quality alignments, played with Horvat more, Horvat more in recent years. And that top six has gotten better. You had Connor Garland. They yeah. got Vasily Podkolzin coming over from the from Russia. Uh, it should be a much better offensive team this year. And, and I should... think he's still locked in for his 19 minutes a night. I, I think, think so too. I think they're ready for him to kind of take over and take that next step because I, I think they know that's how that team takes a step forward is those big guys, Patterson and Patterson Messer. Patterson and Messer laid it up. Yeah, taking a, taking a big step forward. One so. thing that's very important that we, it's worth doing fucking phenomenal first name brock yeah terrific it's all right my, he's a like the worst gym trainer in pokemon but yeah but he's got like a level nine onyx in there like yup gym leader right there <laughs> all right that's that is the maximum amount of pokemon talk allowed for the on this podcast for the rest of the i just year. feel like we've gone seven seasons and we haven't brought up the fact that you share a name with brock from pokemon like that was the first Brock that most of us would have known in our lives. It, it was definitely the first Brock. The only other For Brock I knew growing up, like there was, there was me and him. Like that we were it. the only two, and then Brock Besser <laughs> broke through eventually. But even he's quite a few years younger than I am. So, uh, fuck, he's six years younger than me. I well, Brock old. Nelson's closer to your age. Yeah, me and him were actually. Good he's not as good. Him. No, but he's had some great years in recent years. I like Brock Nelson. Me too. Tremendously underrated. All right, so we have Sam Reinhart, like I mentioned, 14, Patrick Lyon, number 15. We'll let you guys talk about them here a little bit later in the show. Before we get to that, one guy that we left off this list who was in my top 10. Not, Re- not in your top 10. He was in my top 10. He was on- in your top 10. No, sorry, not 15. top 15, sorry. Maybe unreasonably high, according to you guys. But again, like I said, I just plug in the projections and see where the numbers fall where they may. I have Kevin Piala at 11. Uh... He's just absolutely outstanding. I, I love everything about uh, about Fial. I'm just trying to find his ADP here on Yahoo really quick. He's 81 on uh, on Fantrax, but 138 on Yahoo right now. So Fantrax, once again, kind of getting it, understanding it's where you need to be playing. Um, but in his first two seasons with the Wild, Fiala ranked 21st in goals for per 60. 22nd in the NHL in points per 60. Set a new career high in uh, average time on ice last year. Still under 17 minutes a night. Um, and then the Wild obviously didn't do a whole lot this offseason to threaten his usage. If anything, he should probably see more. Kirill Kaprizov signing back with them it, it is, is obviously uh, a big boost as well. He offers elite shot volume, ranking 11th in shots per 60 and firing 242 shots per 82 games uh, since joining the Wild a couple seasons ago. Um, in the, like Again, like the, in his... 13880 ADP on Yahoo, the final third of the draft. It, it, it's almost impossible to find anybody uh, with his upside. But I really think that this is a, a guy that is a low end, uh, run, run, say running back, right wing one, high end, right wing two. Uh, I, I really think that this is the breakout uh, season for Fiala. He, he's shown flashes of just absolute dominance. I, did he not have like a four goal game against the Avalanche at one point last year? Uh, I'm gonna say he did, just because I feel like I remember team. that. 
but yeah, he's just like he's a goal scoring machine. He seems like he's been around for a hundred years. He's still just twenty five years old. He had twenty goals and twenty assists in fifty games last year. Uh, just outstanding production across the board. I really expect him to take a step forward this year. Um, just strictly due to that shot volume. But if we're talking about Ehlers as a guy that could take that next step, um, Fiala is right in that same boat. You know, he's a guy that if, if he gets any boost in ice time at all, he's going to absolutely go off. So uh, Fiala, I had to bring him up because he he had a three goal game. One three is, goal. I was gonna three say. goal four point night. Was it in the playoffs though? No, it was in the thirty fifth game of the his thirty fifth game of the season, start <laughs> of April. Three goals, one assist, four points. There you go. Four points. Three goals on eight shots. He only played 15 minutes a night and had four points. The guy is a stud. Um, yeah, I like. It. I think he's great. Um, just comes down to track record, right? I, I totally am buying into everything you're selling here. Yeah. And I could see the argument for taking him above uh, Line A and Reinhardt. I, I have him just outside of my top 15. He was the one that just missed for me at 16. Uh, I wouldn't take him before Besser and Nylander, Wheeler, Lindholm, Kachuk, any of those guys. So I, I, I can see an argument for having him as high as 14. I wouldn't go higher than that just based on what we've seen, but I'm buying everything you're selling. Everything looks great. I want to see him do it over a full 82 before I take him out of those guys, though. Even without the boost in ice time, uh, again. But again, like... Projection, we, projections are all minutes-based. I have him at 28 goals, 35 assists, 63 points, um, 22 power play points, 234 shots on goal. Yeah, I, I think... I, I, I get it. Like I said, I think if he plays a full 82 in that role, he's going to be great. He's going to be fantasy relevant. And that alone makes him a huge sleeper for where he's going. I think he's going to be, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be a starting fantasy player. He's going to be a guy that uh, when everyone's starting on your team, you're going to want to find a spot for him. So I think he's going to be that good. I don't think he offers that same amount of upside, even as someone like Nealon or Besser that we're saying they can really take a step forward. Fiala, we're really just looking to play a full 82 games and do what he's done the last few years. Yep. I feel like there's a route to Nylander, Besser being around a point per game this year. I don't know if I can imagine that for Fiala. So that's I, 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 I even Lynn Holman could chuck too. I think that that Fiala, I think what sticks out for me uh, is just the goal scoring upside is greater than yeah. those guys. I think that there's, there's an avenue to Fiala scoring 35 this year where I don't envision that so much for the other couple of guys and that is but it's just a, i get you but again his career high before that is is 23 again in shortened seasons the last couple of years all totally legit i just want to see him do it over a full 82 before i take him ahead of those guys. i mean so there is last year he was on a 32 33 goal pace up there's definite possibility that this is my nino nino rider from a couple years ago the guy i was way too high on that <laughs> completely flopped sure in my defense here, I'm much more confident in, in Kevin Fiala this year than I was in Nino Niederreiter that year. And also in my defense, the Carolina Hurricanes took the steps forward that I was anticipating yeah. just without Nino's offensive production following that. So, yeah. uh, anyways, you know, sometimes you got to admit where Nino you're... will always be a friend of the show. It's fine. <laughs> Absolutely. So, sometimes you just got to admit. Sometimes where it just doesn't gone. add up. Sometimes you can do all the right things and the production just doesn't, doesn't follow. And sometimes the coaches aren't patient enough to wait around for it. Hopefully that is not the Willie Nylander treatment this year. Hopefully the coaches stay patient. Can Fiala? Just, yeah. I was just saying Nylander. Nylander. Yeah. He just needs oh, to yeah, yeah. Fiala though. Well. Yeah. See, but the thing with Nylander could be tearing up and still playing 16 minutes a night. It might not change. But uh, all right, let's get to the SBB as you guys have so nicely named it over yep. recent years uh, or recent episodes, excuse me. The sleepers, busts, and breakouts. I actually talked to Beebs. Uh, I think we should call them fades. Guys that were just kind of fading, not so much busts. Yeah. But 
SPF just doesn't have the same the same rhythm to it. But uh, we can work on other acronyms. <laughs> all right, let's get to the sleepers. All right, D. I've been talking a lot lately. I'll start with you. Have on you? sleepers, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I always talk too much. I was telling, I was like thinking about it earlier when we were doing two person podcast, yeah. and I'm the other half. Sure, it just gives me way more opportunity to talk. Yeah. Well, I don't think you're ever lacking on opportunities to talk. I try to fit it in where I can. You always find opportunities. That's what you're best at. Your your talk volume is through the roof. Tremendous. If we did a podcast on podcasts, you'd be like our favorite player. The volume is through the roof. <laughs> Tremendous. Um, Victor Arvidsson. We're going to do sleepers, right? Yes, sir. Victor Arvidsson. Um, this is a Brock, Brock special right here. Uh, DFO endorsed. Head, head over to dailyfaceoff.com right now. You can read Brock's latest article titled... Fantasy hockey values, fades, and sleepers at each position. Boom. And I'm going to assume uh, Victor Arvidsson showed up in the value section of that article. He actually slow- showed up in the sleepers. Uh, Was that even in the title? Yes. Values, fades, and sleepers. Okay. So before we move on, I'm going to need to know the difference between a value and a so sleeper. So like a value, so a value <laughs> is Kevin Fiala. Okay. Like, so a good player that should be rostered in 100% of leagues that's probably just going too late. Mm-hmm. A sleeper is to be a guy that is going very late that could play his way into your your roster full gotcha. So maybe you should have like some ADP credential criteria. So like, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, Fiala. I mean, you saw where I had Fiala ranked left wings. You I had him really. I had Eilers. What is it? I had Eilers what is, as a value. What was Fiala's ADP again? What was 138 like a, 138 on, But he was a lot higher, 81 on, on uh, Fantrax. Because yeah, Fantrax know what's up. What, what's about, what Nick, about Arvidsson? What Nick, Eilers was my, Nick Eilers was my value on left wing. Sleeper is Verona much okay. later. Um, sleeper for center was Larkin. Value is Couturier. Okay, so it's just yeah, we're just looking a little bit further down. Deeper, the, okay, yeah. I pick you up. I pick. And Arvidsson, his ADP is currently uh, one eighty three on Fantrax, one seventy six on Yahoo ADP between the two sites, one seventy nine nine. So almost undrafted in standard leagues. Yes. Uh, and we'll actually talk about Victor Arvidsson now. If that's if, yeah. Uh, from 2017 to 2019, and this is straight from Brock's article, by the way. Uh, Arvidsson was a lock for 30-plus goals and 30-plus assists. Had much more difficult time the last two seasons, which I think anyone that's followed this podcast has probably known because we've been talking about him, uh, about how he's bound to bounce back for the last few seasons now. Uh, hasn't had it, but he's gotten that change of scenery that we talked about that yep. desperately needed. So uh, traded to the Kings this offseason. Uh, and we expect him, Daily Faceoff expects him to end up on the top line with Anzi Kopitar. And now we already talked about in the center episode, I believe it was, yep. makes sense because we were talking about Anzi Kopitar, uh, about how Philip Deneau got signed and paid a lot of money to play the most difficult matchups for LA and, you know, uh, therefore lightening the load on Anzi Kopitar. Yep. He should see more starts in the offensive zone. He should see less time uh, against the other team's top competition, uh, especially on home ice, obviously. Um, and we expect uh, Arvidsson to be playing alongside of him. And honestly, if you think back to recent years, Kopitar's had some massive, massive seasons with wingers a lot worse than Victor Arvidsson. With literally just Ayafalo and Dustin Brown almost exclusively. Yeah, and like post-post-prime Dustin Brown. So, yeah, like, it could help Kopitar. And, again, obviously, I think the Kings are trying to squeeze uh, another 
elite year two or three out of Kopitar in terms of point production, uh, or as many as they can get. And I think it makes sense in that regard, the Deneau signing, if, if it actually, if it does work, right? If he gets back to even, I'm sure you got to... He just, scored 92 points in 2018, 90, and yeah. he started 50% of his uh, zone stars were in the defensive zone. Exactly. So... And that's obviously nothing new from Kopitar. From day one, this guy was a minutes eater, and he was someone that you could play in off situations and expect him to end up in the offensive zone by the end of his shift. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think, obviously, as he gets older now, it can only do him good to have him freed up a bit uh, and not eating as much as those difficult uh, as many of those difficult minutes. There's no one better to play in those situations than Philip Deneau. We'd love to see him on a better team, playing in the postseason. Not going to talk about that right now, but... Uh, again, uh, like you talked about it, 92 points in 2018. Uh, I feel like a lot of people kind of think about it like he's fallen off a cliff since then. Really not the case. 60 points in 81 the following year, and then 62 and 70, 50 and 56 last year. The problem, doesn't score a lot of goals. We know that. Uh, but not the guy we're talking about. Obviously, I'm talking about him <laughs> because uh, there's a real possibility for Kopitar to get back towards that point per game pace. I'm just showing you those numbers to kind of give you an idea of where he's been at while still playing in that difficult role on a very bad team. Um, the so, last few years, they've been horrendous. Exactly. So anything you can do to improve Kopitar's um, you know, situations at 5v5 should really help his production. I, I still think he's got elite years left. And I think when now when you put a guy like Arvidsson into that situation who's you know had trouble establishing a top six role within the last few years, he's had his minutes played with, He's obviously fallen off a cliff a bit in terms of his production, just 25 points in 50 games last season. But before that, one of the more reliable 30-30 guys that you could find in the league, and he's still just 28 years old. So uh, shoots the puck a ton. Uh, again, didn't play a whole lot last year. 16 minutes of ice time, still sh- uh, registered 151 shots on goals in 50 games. That's a ton of shot volume for the minutes. Uh, we've seen Dustin Brown play a ton of top, a ton of minutes up top. We've seen Alex Ifalo play a ton of minutes. Like I'm talking 19, 20 minutes a night. Yeah. Arvidsson's a much better player than Ifalo in particular. So hopefully, if he's in line for that kind of minutes, playing with Kopitar in better situations, there's a lot, a lot of upside here for Arvidsson. Carol's carries dual wing eligibility in most formats, I believe. Uh, definitely on Yahoo. Fan tracks just right winger. Yahoo left wing, right wing. Uh, uh, ESPN just right wing. Okay. So Yahoo, left wing, right wing. Obviously some extra um, value there in that regard. Anyone, like we say, that offers dual wing eligibility, hopefully you guys can hear the rain. If you can, Corey. we're sorry. Corey right um, but Always yeah. something on this podcast. But yeah, I'll wrap it up then so we can kind of get through this. But again, lots to like about Victor Arvidsson this season. You can get him for free at the bottom of the draft. 50th round ADP right now. And yeah, honestly, could have a career year if everything lines up. At the very least, I think if he is playing on the top line with Kopitar and they are seeing those slightly easier matchups. I think him returning somewhere close to the 30-30 is more than reasonable. I, I just think like he's a guy that's worth a flyer to see how it works with Kopitar. Right? Yeah. You take him in the 15th. If they get off to a hot start, he could be a guy that you keep for the entire season. Exactly. So even in, I wrote this in my article, even in his down years, he averaged 2.6 shots per game, which would be good for over 200 shots in an 82-game season. So uh, return to 30-30 is certainly possible for a guy that's basically undrafted right now. Yeah. Um, another guy that's basically undrafted right now is Jesse Pugliarvi. Uh I don't really understand it. Uh, you see Zach Hyman's uh, ADP absolutely skyrocket after signing with the uh, with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but Jesse Pugliarvi played there last year with McDavid almost exclusively. 
what's got me really excited about Puli Yarvi is in the postseason, again, just four games, they got swept by the Jets, but he played 1832, 22-54, 21-55, and 23-29. In the biggest games of the season, he was playing a lot. Granted, three of those games went to overtime, but still, uh, you know, in the first game that did it, he played 1832, which was much, much higher uh, than what he played during the regular season. In the final month of last year, he had 12 points in his final 18 games uh, while playing just 15-52 a night. We know how much McDavid plays. We know how much Leon plays. We know how much Nuge plays. If Jesse Pugliarvi just sees a, a, a slight uptick in minutes, if he gets in and around that 17-minute mark, or if he comes anywhere close to the 18 minutes he played in the playoffs, he's going to blow up this year. I mean... Why would Zach Hyman move up the board so much playing... Well, because he's playing with McDavid. Pugliarvi, we know he's going to be in the top six. As if Hyman wasn't playing with Matthews and I, Marner exactly. for the last... Exactly. Uh, How much is it really going to affect Hyman's value? I, I tend to think not that much. I, I think that Hyman can be a very productive fantasy player, but yeah. where Hyman's and going honestly, and where, where Pugliarvi's going, I would much rather have yeah. Pugliarvi. And it's not like McDavid has had the same effect that Crosby has had on these fringe borderline guys no. like Kunitz, Pascal Dupuis. Because so much production comes with the power play. Yeah, and exactly. And it and maybe Crosby just a little bit different in that regard, and that he just brings the best out of his linemates that much more than McDavid, who's kind of uh, a bit more of a one man show. I I don't want to talk down on the on the hockey god that is Connor McDavid uh, in any regard whatsoever. But yeah, like, like you said, so much of that production comes on the power play um even in games where mcdavid and dry aren't penciled alongside each other at the start and they don't finish alongside each other at the end they still end up finding a lot of situations that even strength uh where mcdavid and dry will get a shift together and a lot of times that's when they end up finding the back of the net whether it be after an icing or a similar situation so all this to say that uh yeah i don't get the hymen love in the same regard I'm a little skeptical about Puyarvi still, but I, I totally love that he's just a guy you can get at the end of your draft. And like you said, just like you said with Arvison, just see what happens, right? See if he's still holding down to that role line with McDavid. Um, Zach Cassian's probably a good example of, you know, someone who sure, you know, their numbers improved, but it's not like all of a sudden they were a 60, 70 point guy playing alongside McDavid. Maybe Puyarvi ends up along some you know similar production but maybe not obviously this is a guy who was very highly thought of as a prospect who's drafted fourth overall he did well in the finish league finish league right when he yeah. went back uh, a couple of years ago uh and i still think he can bang in a lot of goals is it going to be kind of like a cassian thing where he gives you 20 goals and 10 assists and he's not even worth rostering he's more of a I streaming mean, I, option i would think maybe i would think not I, I obviously yeah we think there's more potential there and there's more upside obviously it's a guy that you think we've never seen the best of Feels like kind of an hour and everything, uh, as did last year with Pugliarvi. Maybe that 15 goals in 50 still games. Still just a bit of time in that top Still just 23 years exactly. old. Exactly. And I I mean, if you're the Oilers, at the very least, you got to be looking to see exactly what you got here. Build up the value in any way possible if you are going to look to move on from him uh, and not give him that big payday on his second deal. But uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity, especially at the start of the season. Uh, and we've never seen the best from him from who knows. And like you said, you can get him at the end of the draft. So. Zach Hyman, current ADP, 10th, 11th round. Pugliarvi, 15th, 16th round. So give me Pugliarvi all day. Just a reminder. Just a reminder. Just a reminder. Remember when Ty Ratty fucking ripped it up in the the preseason and like everybody on earth drafted him? Yeah. 
Everybody was reaching for him in the draft. This is finally the McDavid's winger. It's Ty Ratty. Yeah. Now we were disrespected. Yes, he pulled Yarby like this. I will not take that slander. I will say too, a little bit of respect for Zach Hyman. Like he had a career year last year. He's been getting better and better every year the last few years. So I shouldn't just be looking. I shouldn't just be looking at it as like you know he's trading Matthews for McDavid and he's getting drafted six rounds earlier. You know he is. Yeah, I, I know you think he's a phenomenal hockey player, but again, not a guy that you would expect to carry your fantasy hockey team. Uh, and it, again, it's not like he's going from fucking Buffalo Sabres bargain bin centers and, and line mates to Connor McDavid, right? He's literally playing with Austin Matthews yeah. and Mitch Marner almost exclusively. It's last hard to envision seasons. it getting any better than what he did last year. Yeah. Like, I, I get you have a center that's a little more playmaking oriented, but again, McDavid's yeah, Mitch as Marner much about anyway. creating opportunities for himself as he is his line mates. Yeah, and Mitch Marner was over there create shit all day. I mean, yeah. I know obviously more more times than not. It's and it's to, not like Hyman's like going there to be a goal scorer. Like he's, he's going there the role. to win the puck, to can battle on the boards, and like I said, win the puck back, win possession. He's a phenomenal hockey player, and then he's going straight to the front of the net. Uh, and you know, McDavid clearly he's getting the puck to Jesse Puljujarvi. <laughs> yeah, probably sure. He's but, getting the puck to McDavid, who's firing a cross ice crease pass to Puljujarvi, who may or may not tap it in. Perfect. Yes, he pulled your army. Sleeper of the year. You heard it here first. Uh, all right. Call it a bust. Call it a fade. Call whatever you wish. Um, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, Matthew Kachuk for you. Somebody that you're just fading a little bit. Yeah, again. certainly a fade and not a bust. Certainly not someone that I, I think is going to be on free agents by the end of the season. But yeah, ADP is what? 30 right now? 33? Uh, currently 30... 6.4 on Yahoo, 46.9 on fan tracks between the two sites, 41.7. Okay. So, uh, most popular, anyway, most popular site is probably Yahoo, but again, that's fan behind tra- marks. Even fan tracks, which we find to be, you know, a lot more inclined to you where know, we are. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's still going really, really high, and there's no getting around it, right? This is, you guys are probably getting tired of hearing this, but it's, it's hits leagues driving up his value, and, uh, I don't want to get into it too much because I think he's a really good player. And, you know, I had him ranked as my number 11th right winger. So, you know, I, I'm not uh, sleeping on this guy at all, but I'm also not taking him towards the end of this, the second round or, or beginning of the third round. Like, it, if I am drafted and Matt Kachuk's the third best player on my team, even in a bangers league, like, I did something wrong. You know what I mean? Like, the upside just isn't there. I understand he's going to give you a ton of hits, but again, and points leagues, it's a little bit different. It depends on how many points per hit you're getting. Yada, yada, yada. You have to know your league. I always say this. But if it's just a cat league and hits is one of 10, 12, 15 categories, it's not worth drafting this guy three or four rounds earlier where he would be normally. Like, it's going to be nice when he fills those categories. But uh, And, yeah, obviously he brings a little bit of shot volume too. He's not his brother in that regard, right? Like, he's not a threat to lead the league in both categories. Um, so yeah, I, even then, like, I don't think he should be pushed as up as high as he is for banger leagues. Like I wouldn't even be as high as him. I, I wouldn't even be drafting him in the third round of banger leagues. We talked about how him and Lindholm almost mirror each other in terms of every other stat other than hits, but even hits projection wise this year, 151 for Matthew Kachuk, 87.7 for Lindholm. So, you know, we're talking about it's like seven, one more hit a week, right? Yeah. Like, we're talking <laughs> about 70 hits, maybe one more hit a game. But then the ADP, Kachuk 41, Lindholm 78. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And yeah, there's really not that much more needs to be said about it. I think he's a great player. Obviously, it's the hits that are really driving up uh, the price there. But again, I think it's even too high for Banger League. It's just overwhelmingly, like, the hits just overwhelm people. They're like, we have to get hits. And I think if you listen to this podcast uh, and, you know, you take what we say 
any sort of seriously or as seriously as you can take fantasy hockey. Um, you're not going to end up with Kachuk on your team this year, probably either Kachuk, because, you know, even if you end up in a league with 12 other guys who understand that it's not a hits league, that ADP is still going to be showing there, and he's not going to last to the point where we think he should go. Like He's not going to sit there for three yeah. or four rounds as the best player on the board. He's going to go still a round or two earlier than you know we probably would feel comfortable taking him. So I know I will almost certainly not have Matt Kachuk in any leagues this year, which is a bit of a shame because he's great. He's a lot of fun to watch uh, when you're rooting for him and not so much fun to watch when you're, you're not rooting for him. Just to tell my customizable rankings a little bit right now, uh, one thing I did add this year was position eligibility, which is why I've been able to pull them up so quickly. Uh, you know, Whatever league you're in, you, you can go click it, check it off, and then you get the position eligibility for that league. One thing I will be adding to the coming weeks as these ADPs continue to solidify themselves is the ADP. Uh, so when you click whatever site that you're playing on, hopefully it's Fantrax, you'll get their position eligibility and their current ADP uh on that site and then that can help you really kind of make those decisions and find those diamond in the rough guys guys you might be able to wait a little bit on guys that you really should just pass on whether it is a matt kachuk or or his brother <laughs> uh, but yeah the banger leagues just get overblown a little bit too much for me but my my bust or fade uh right now is joe pavelski current adp 86.5 on fan tracks 103.6 on yahoo 95 overall between the two sites uh, it's pretty simple. He played 19 minutes a night last year. We talked about that a couple episodes ago. Probably not going to happen this year with the return of Tyler Segan. Uh, so yeah, the ice time is probably going to look more similar to his first year in Dallas when he played closer to 17 minutes a night. Uh, career high, well, maybe not career high shooting percentage, but 18% shooting percentage last year. Career uh, shooting percentage is 12.7. That's bound to come back down. On ice shooting percentage was absolutely ballooned as well uh, at 13.4 which was the highest of his entire career so uh 51 points in 56 games uh pavelski was a great story a season ago uh but i just you know at his age 37 season i don't foresee him uh playing 19 minutes again this upcoming season with Seagan returning and it's really really hard to envision him uh repeating that production i remember in 2019 he moved to dallas we had him as a bust then because he shot 20 percent when he scored 38 goals in his final year in San Jose, surely enough, he only scored 14 goals in 67 games in his first year at Dallas. So uh, I think we're looking at kind of a similar thing here with uh, with Pavelski. Uh, he's shown to have years where his shooting percentage absolutely craters, like in 2018 when he only shot 9.8%. He's just a guy that isn't like he's, – he's a great hockey player. Uh, you know, overall, fairly consistent. But from year to year, it just doesn't always – all come together and it's just it, it's just too rich for me I, I like more so just in recent years like he's 37 and that's he's 37 his and that's adp is 86.5 on fair yeah absolutely goddamn not. yeah i it's another guy that it, it's redraft leagues i don't think i'm gonna have the pleasure of rostering but i do think he should still be drafted like for sure and it's a guy i would love to pick up at the end of the draft but perhaps rightfully so based on what he did last year that's not going to be the option and yeah it's just not as reliable he right? was your steal of the draft last year and it, yeah and i again i told you the whole year i'm just waiting for the bottom to fall out because of you know the, the personal shooting percentage the on i shooting percentage and it just it never did and part of it had to do with because he was playing so much I do think he's still going to play a decent amount because, uh, you know... 17 was, and a half minutes is nothing it, to scoff at, but and, it's not yeah, 19. Yeah, and he was phenomenal last year. Like, I think he's he had like terrific a, in front of the net on I the I think he had like play. a 60% possession rating. It was over like... It was like 12 or 13% relative to, to the rest of the Stars team. So, 
he was still really, really good last year. Like you said, just a few years removed from the 38-goal season. Did you look that number up? Because you... I looked it up like five minutes. Okay, ago. you knocked it out of the park. 61.3 Corsi 4, 13.6 relative. Yes. So, very impressive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, he's, it was a very, very good season. I, I think, like, really, that's the reason, like, I hate Radulov so much this year is because I think, like, Pavelski should still play a decent amount of minutes. Yeah. But, again, nowhere near that ADP. Like, I'd be taking him probably five, six, seven rounds later than where he should go, which is a shame because I would love to have him again at the bottom of my roster not going to happen this year but yeah i mean i wouldn't be surprised if he does end up in free agents in some leagues just because that level of frustration is going to be particularly high and if he's not shooting 20 percent, then he's probably you know he's you know the assists aren't going to be great if he's playing less then obviously there's a lot of red flags there which is why you want to have him at the bottom of your roster if he gets dropped though you scoop him up instantly yeah because you know it's you know we say about this like oh if he shoots 18 20 percent Pavelski has done that multiple seasons, right? Like you can't rely on him doing it every year, but he's shown the ability to sustain it over a full year. For sure. So yeah, I, I, I think kind of not a ton of upside, but certainly if, if you can get him anywhere near where he was going last year, then absolutely, but nowhere near the current 86. No, that's why um, we still have him penciled in to kind of be in the top six, obviously playing with Rupe Hits and Jason Roberts, Robertson, no real reason to break that up. It was terrific last yeah. year. Uh, Seagan on the second line with Bannon Radulov, but they're just going to command a little bit more <laughs> minutes than what the second it's line is. It's just so funny calling it their second line because, yeah. like, how good was that line three years ago, right? Tremendous. Dallas won. <laughs> yeah, Dallas won was outstanding. But all right, let's move into our breakouts and then we will head over to the Blue Stones and, and then the second half with me and Beeps. But uh, you've got Sam Reinhardt, who we mentioned earlier in the show, graded out as our 14th uh, right winger consensus uh, rankings. Current ADP, 91.3 on Fantrax, 83.9 on Yahoo for an ADP of 87.6. We've talked about him a little bit already uh, in previous episodes, a lot about Barkov in the first in the, uh, center's preview, and then a little bit about our offseason review as well. This is a guy that's moving from Buffalo to Florida, expected to play with Barkov. You love him this year. Even if he doesn't, right? Like, even if, like again, we're skeptical of the idea of Sam Bennett being the second-line center over Sam Reinhardt. Yep. But even if he falls to the second line, we talked about how Huberto and Barkov played less than 100 minutes at 5v5 together last season, yeah. and each of the last, I think, two or three seasons. Like, it's been a while since they saw any sort of extended run together at 5v5, and I don't think that's going to change no matter where Reinhardt lines up. So, worst case, he's centering the second line with a 90-point left winger. Arguably one of the best playmakers in hockey. And yeah, you can look at it and say, hey, this guy's played with Jack Eichel before, you know, how is this going to be any different? They're a much, much better team than the Buffalo Sabres. I think we could see Sam Reinhart maybe be a plus for the first time in his career this year. I can guarantee you he's not going to be a minus 28 playing for the Panthers. Uh, and obviously Eichel, you know, more of a, a shoot-first center uh, than most. And, you know, his production, uh, while we love Eichel on this show, never got anywhere close to the heights of Barkov or even Huberto. So very good center. Um you know, another guy who we've probably never seen quite the best from. And, yeah, I, I think the two of them were never quite enough to boost each other's numbers to their full potential. They need, needed more surrounding pieces. Uh, and I, I think Reinhardt has that in Florida. Like I said, either way at 5v5, it's going to be great. The real question mark is that power play. Um, but, yeah, I think Reinhardt's floor, like it's been so good the last few years with uh, Buffalo. He's a guy that's just consistently giving low 20 goals. Uh, the assists have fluctuated a little bit more. He had that career year a few years ago where he had 65 points in 82. But even the last two seasons, the shortened season, 
50 and 69, and then 40 and 54. Um, again, I think we can expect to see a pretty reasonable 5 to 10 point scoring boost over a full 82 games playing alongside uh, the likes of Barkov and Huberto. And if he can cement a role in that top power play, because we don't really know how it's going to shake out this season, uh, then I, I really think that he could, again, I, I say it a lot, but I think the sky's the limit for a guy like Reinhardt. Like, I'm really excited to see what he can do offensively in this new role with the Panthers. So, like, the thing I like about Reinhardt is even his last three years in Buffalo, while they were trash, 27.6 goals, 34.4 assists, 62.6. Four basically yeah. for eighty-two games. That's and now score. you don't have to worry about the minus twenty that comes. No, with it. and he he could very easily go from a sixty-two point player to an eighty-point player yeah. playing with Barkov or Huberto, and it does not really matter. And I think, like I said, I think that floor goes up by at least five points, right? Hundred like, percent. It's just like <laughs> you said, you don't want to say sky is the limit too much. I I've been thinking about it in my head over and over again stop saying that because i know i've said it about four times on this episode alone but it's true there is there is very few players that you can just look at in an off-season move where you're like he's going to get so much better and we would have thought the same about eichel if he got his move right exactly and you know what though a lot of times in situations like this the adp really reflects that it doesn't necessarily with reinhardt 91.3, 83.9, 87.6 between the two sites. Is it crazy? That is a 7th, 8th round pick. That is a guy who you're getting as your number 2 right winger. We have him right at the edge of being a number 1 right winger. So you're getting him as as, kind of like your 1st or 2nd. It is right in line. It's a little bit higher than what we have for primary. I think he's 12 in ADP and we have him at, at 14. So he's right there. And again, the breakout's baked into it a little bit, but it's yeah. not like some of these other guys where you have to to reach to the point where uh, the floor isn't gonna you know isn't gonna make the pick worthwhile. Which I is think, what you really have to worry about. This I week. think him and William Delander are very similar heading into this year. I yeah. think that they both could take that next step, but even if they don't, their floor is still reasonable with where they're yeah. being drafted. And then obviously Ehlers was the other guy I want to talk about here, but we went into every little detail about that breakout yeah. this year. He's like that to the next degree right? exactly he's already at that point per game pace he could take it to the next level uh whereas reinhardt we think you know could potentially get somewhere near a a point per game this season um yeah because there's there's been some players that have have, you know even anthony duclair saw a nice spike in in production haggy was an absolute stud last year yeah and he should be playing more than he is but again two guys that are probably gonna be a, a bit of casualties as far as ice time goes and uh, our boy Frank Fertrano, the other one, he's forever destined to be a bottom six forward in, in, For in life. Florida. He's a lifer. Yeah. Ripping 180 shots, playing 12 minutes a night. It's absolutely, it's absolutely outstanding stuff. Uh, so, yeah, my breakout for this upcoming season is Martin Nichass. He's been a guy that we've talked about quite a bit on this show. Yep. Uh, a I guy had his that... fantasy hockey card in a hut a couple years ago. And, wait, yeah, it was a couple years ago. Yeah, and it got better with every goal scored, and then like if they were worse players, then they would start at a higher overall. And he was like a ninety nine within like two months because he just tore up, and he's amazing. So always a soft spot in my, in my heart because of that. So I just wanted to let you know that. So a bit of a slow start last year. First seventeen games, not great. After that, his final thirty six games of last season: twelve goals, eighteen assists, thirty points, a plus nineteen. Um, doing almost all of that damage exclusively on the power play uh, and while averaging 
um, 2.1 shots per game. So again, the shot volume isn't electric when you compare it to some of these other guys uh, that we've talked about tonight, but he's still, you know, 17 minutes a night last year, just kind of working himself into that top six, took that next step, and did it all at 5v5. Very limited power play production. Is he going to move up to that top power play unit this year? Maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, moving the guy like Dougie Hamilton off of your roster is certainly going to shake things up on the power play. They're going to be looking for different options. Is Martin Nichas uh, a guy that fills that void? Is it simply kind of this, you know, much of the same with Tony D'Angelo filling the Dougie Hamilton role? Right now, I haven't projected to be on the top power play unit. Same second line role if it's in Trocek. Very good chemistry a year ago, but he's a 68 point player in the last 36 games of last year. Uh, right now, his ADP falls at 114 on Fantrax, 101 on Yahoo, so but a 107.8, so very reasonable kind of middle-round guy. People um, are onto it a little bit. But yeah, they're onto it a little bit, but this is a guy that could really go for can sell 30 and 45 this year and, and really outperform that projection. I, I think, like I said, last 36 games of last year, it was 27 and 41. That's a reasonable expectation for him kind of coming into this year. Coming into this year... Really, his only two full seasons are short seasons. Yeah. Very hard to kind of get a read on exactly what he's done to this point. But 36 points in 64 games in his rookie year, 41 points in 53 games a year ago. So he's already kind of shown to have taken that next step. It's just this year, I think he's it's just another step forward. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, and that's what's so exciting about this year from a fantasy hockey standpoint is there's so many guys that they you know, potential breakouts that really don't even need to improve what they've been doing the last few years. They just need to sustain it over a full 82 yeah. games now, right? Like 63 point pace for an HS. And again, that's, I, I really think it's sustainable. And like you said, I, I think even with, you know, Cock and Yemi coming in, apparently going to be playing on the wing, figure that one out. I, I still think with him being as good as he was last year and getting a year older, I think he's a lock for at least that ice time, if not more. I, I think they'll find the minutes for him either way. Uh, and yeah, even even if he just stays at that pace, like I said, I think that gives him about a 60-point floor. Um, like I said, a 63-point pace last season. So you really just need him to sustain that. And then again, he's a guy that's been getting better and better. We've never quite seen him get you know that full opportunity. Again, obviously not for a full 82-game season. Uh, so yeah, like I think he's got that great floor. And there's a lot of guys like this who really just need to show the same flashes they've shown in the last couple of short seasons over full 82 games, and they're going to return great value on their ADP. The thing is that he that's his floor, 60 points probably, 60-point floor with almost no exposure to PP1. Yeah. If he moves to the top power play unit full-time, I'm not going to say sky's the limit. I want to, <laughs> but I'm not going to. Yeah. But that's the case. No red flags either. Shot a career low again just two years. But, you know, his shooting percentage dropped from 18.2 to 12.3. I think he could reasonably maintain that pace. No problems asked. On-ice shooting percentage is 10.7. Not ballooned whatsoever. So, uh, no red flags in Nechas' game right now. But that is going to do it for me and Dylan uh, on the first half of the DFO podcast, Season 7, Episode 5, presented to you by our friends at Fantrax. Enjoy the Blue here for 30 seconds when we get back. It'll be B and Beebs where we will just go over his sleepers, busts, and breakouts. Uh, so yeah, Dylan, it was fun. Kind of a weird show breaking it up like this, but it was you know it's always fun to talk a little bit more if you're me. Uh, enjoy the Blue Stones. See you guys next week. Peace.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 7, Episode 5 of the DFO Podcast. I'm presented to you by our friends at Fantrax. Of course, I'm your host, Brock Segan. Here in the second half, he was missing the from action <laughs> in the first half. We've got Beeps Bondi joining us. How's it going, Beeps? It's going great. I'm glad uh, glad I could get in for a half here. Um, this is probably the part where a lot of people turn this thing off because they're like, holy, this guy sucks. But either way, if you do like my voice, you're going to get a lot of it for the next little bit. Um, shout out to the Blue Stones. Those guys just kicked off a tour, I believe, across the States. I think it was yesterday or, the, or it is today. Either way, um, super exciting for our boys. First time they could tour since um, since COVID hit. So that's awesome to see them doing great, you know, getting back out there. So go check them out if you can. If you're in the States, um, in Canada, they should be coming back after. But um, Brock, you mentioned it. We're doing a little bit of SBB. Uh, yeah, I was just I was just thinking about it. Like, so this is the SBB portion of the show. We've also yeah. got SBB here. We got Segan and Beebs Bondi. I mean, this is just double SBB. It's almost it's, like it's a sign, dude. It's almost like it's a sign. I'm feeling really good about that now. I didn't even realize that. Now I'm extra jazzed up. I don't know. Um, what, I don't know what SBB would be like in the stock market, but I feel like we got to put some. Uh, we got to buy some some shares oh, here moon, to whatever, the moon. <laughs> whatever it is. Um. Yeah. I will say apologies for not being there for the first half with us trying to slam out these uh these positional episodes. We want to try to get them out as quickly as we can for you guys so you have them before your drafts. So um, with that happening um with me and D both working other jobs, it just kind of, you know, it crosses over a little bit. So we do apologize, but you get me for a second half. So, um, so let's jump right in. And um, I'm going to talk about my boy, Patrick Laine. Um, We talk about recency bias all the time in fantasy hockey, Brock. And, uh, and this might be one of the most obvious cases of it. We've seen the last couple of years, Patrick Laine's ADP currently is 132. Um, that is, that is incredibly low. I never thought I'd be talking about Patrick line being that low drafted, um, in the next 10 years after just four years ago, he put up 44 goals. There are little, there's little people in the NHL who can put up 40, let alone that 44 goal mark. And while hitting over three and a half shots per game in a season, Patrick line is that guy. He had an absolutely terrible season last year. Let's not dance around it. But one of the main reasons is John Tortorella was in town. He's trying to make him be a little bit more of a two-way player than we know Patrick Laine is. He is a one-way player. And now with Tortorella out of town, things are looking a lot better for Laine. Another thing that happened, we had a little swip, a little switch, a little swap between Philly, Cam Atkinson, arguably Columbus's top, not even arguably, Columbus's top shooter for probably the last eight years. He's now out of town. We brought in Jakob Voracek, a guy who I'm not sure even knows how to shoot the puck if you go and look <laughs> at his stats, um, but an absolute Apple machine, possibly a top five assist machine in the league. We've just seen this guy year after year um, dominate, um, dominate the assist market, we'll call it. We'll call it that. Um, but that's just going to feed well for our boy Patrick Laine, who is now the number one shooting option out in Columbus. Um, and another thing that I absolutely love for Patrick, we saw it last year with Tyson Berry. And uh, I don't know, Brock, but I think we were pretty high on Tyson Berry last year and a lot higher than a lot of sites. And it turned out, if you draft him, to work out quite well for you. The thing that Tyson Berry had, he had a bridge contract here. And uh, that is exactly what uh, Patrick Laine is sitting on this year. This is the year for him to prove himself if he really wants to make that big ticket that we know Patrick Laine wants. We saw him do all those hilarious interviews. Uh, we know he wants the money, and he's going to prove it this year. New coach, new new things going on around him. He should be on that power play one again with Veracek, just feeding him. We have no Seth Jones that might hurt him in, in, in the long run just for a couple more apples. But at the same time, that's another massive shot on the power play that is gone, just leaving Laine even more likely to be, to be shooting. At 132, there's a ton of 
a ton of options that are going to come nowhere close to 44 goals, let alone near a point per game that we saw him have in his down years um, just the year before last. Line is an absolute machine. I'm surprised at 15 we even really have him here. It just feels wrong. Um, I feel like that's almost us going with him having an offline a year that we have him at 15. Um, but yeah, if you can grab this guy deep in drafts, I think he's in for an absolute jump this year. If he doesn't, I don't think it's going to kill you getting him after the 100th pick. Um, it's not like previous years where we had him in the top five. Only 23 years old. We all know how I love to mention age. Um, this is we're going to talk about guys later who who are are, are going to be even trying just to break into their first 82 game season at the age of 23. Um, so for line A to be here for so long to do this for so long, I think this is an absolute fantasy sleeper and I'm going to pump my own tires. This might be my best fantasy sleeper ever. Um, it was almost too easy, but uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully Patrick doesn't let me down, but uh, I, I think there's a storm brewing in Columbus and uh, Patrick line is, is part of that storm. Yeah. I mean, you, you already mentioned the the coaching change from John Tortorella uh, to Brad Larson. They promoted Brad Larson from assistant coach to head coach. Um, and when Larson was the head coach of the Springfield Falcons of the AHL in 2013 and 14, uh, they were among the highest scoring teams in the league. So that change in the philosophy behind the bench uh, should go a long way, not only for, for line A, but some of the other blue jackets. Uh, I, I also released uh, an article today uh, talking about the biggest uh, sleepers, values, and uh, fades at each position. And I also had Elvis Merzlikens, who actually just signed a big ticket today as well. Um, Good for him. As, as a sleeper goaltender, just because I think a lot of people um, are really low on the Blue Jackets. I don't know if they're even going to be a playoff team, but I think they're still going to be better um, than people expected. I think like they're kind of like the New Jersey Devils of this year. Nobody gave the Devils a chance last year. Um, and they, they, you know, they provided a, a little bit of, of shock value with the season that they had. And I, I think the Blue Jackets are the team that could do that. Um, just to further your point, uh, you know, 91 uh, ADP on Fantrax. So a little bit better on Fantrax, 131 on Yahoo, 111 overall, if you combine the two sites. Um, but right now, it, you know, on Yahoo, he's being drafted as a low end number two, high end number three right winger. There's no reason why he can't finish this season as a low end number one, high end number two, like we have him ranked. And you missed the first half, but me and D were talking about how, you know, the, the position kind of falls off around seven, eight, nine, ten. You get a couple more guys that you're like, you don't know 100% where their floor or ceiling lie. So while we have line A ranked at 15, I think that's just because of how low his floor is but we've seen what the ceiling can be and he can easily vault himself into the top 10 9 8 7 at this position easily yeah absolutely and this is a guy who before last year is averaging over three and a half shots per game he's now at three shots per game on his career still fantastic fantastic numbers we usually shoot for about two from a guy and up and we're excited so three three and a half that's unbelievable that'll help you in banger leagues it'll help you in normal leagues and uh you know if line is back to you know getting four pucks on net a game that is a wicked wicked shot it's one that i believe a couple years ago i said um you know, we kind of have to throw the shooting percentage out the window just because of how good that shot is. Um, and uh, and unfortunately, we, we shouldn't have thrown that out the window. We should have. We should maybe looked at those numbers a bit harder. Or well, you did. I should have. Um, but either way, I'm ready for Patrick Line to rise again um, from the ashes at the age of 23, which is crazy. But um, but yeah, he's gonna he's gonna drop in drafts, and uh, and a lot of people are gonna be very happy with him. I think this year. Speaking of wicked shots, your Bust. Maybe we shouldn't call him a bust. I wrote it as a fade on DFO. The other yeah. day. I think I like that that term a little bit better because I don't think any of these guys are really going to bust. Yeah. We're just not really targeting them in drafts at their current ADP. So we'll call it a fade as opposed to a bust. So 
maybe SBB is is uh, is dead now, but yeah, uh, SBF S- is fine. Yeah, yeah. Maybe okay. that I don't like it as much, but oh, that's that's okay. We can go with it. But um, no, you hit it on the nail. This is someone that honestly I don't mind drafting, but it's just we see it every year. There's always a rookie. There's always a guy who is way way too far up the draft board. Um, when there's just names that almost are a lock to put in what we're expecting from a player like this. I'm sure many of you can guess it by now, but it's Cole, the goal Caulfield out in Montreal currently with a 94 ADP on Yahoo. Um, Brock, I do not have his fan tracks there so we can. He's actually moved up a little bit. He's around 100 now on Yahoo, 133 on Fantrax. So I think Fantrax probably not a fade for you, but yeah, closer to 94, 100. A little bit more of a fade for you. Yeah, even that is is an incredible fade right now for for Cole Caulfield. This is a guy who, in ten games last year, he had four goals, one assist. We can't really bring last year into things, but it still is an example of things to come. Last year's playoffs. If you talk to anyone right now who doesn't who didn't look at the at, at his stats, they'd say that he probably had about twelve goals, ten assists in twenty games. But when the reality comes to it, he only had four goals eight assists across those 20 games and i think it was just the big play moments that really stood out for us with caulfield nothing against him but rock we haven't seen a rookie put up more than 69 points very nice from our boy austin matthews um in the last 10 years he's the only one so if we're talking 69 points for a guy who's going right around 100 uh, i just don't love that value it's someone where realistically i don't think he is austin matthews i mean who does that'd be a little bit crazy um, and it's just, I don't love what's happening out in Montreal this year. We're seeing a lot of, a lot of red flags. There's no Shea Weber. Now that takes away a massive, massive piece on the power play. Someone who honestly takes up two bodies to block every shot he takes. Now people are a little bit closer to Caulfield. Now there's a bit more, you know, people know about him as a weapon. I just, we haven't seen the guy play 82 games. There's guys like Martin Neckass, William Nylander right around where you're drafting Caulfield. And honestly, these guys have proven they can do the, the 30, 30, the high scoring years. Caulfield hasn't proven that. And well, he might become one of these guys. It's just, we know how rookies play. We're not, like, we're, we're not fooling anyone. If he is the first rookie in the last 10 years to finally hit over 70 points. Great for him. That's awesome. But even if he's, you know, 75, okay, you got him at his value. It's just, I, I, I can't understand why. He's, well, I do understand why he's going this high last year's playoffs. There's all this excitement for his ceiling, but um, uh, we had Alexis Lafreniere last year going high, just around the same area as this guy. Obviously, we're expecting a better year, but he destroyed teams at the draft. I just don't want teams getting destroyed by Cole Caulfield. Um, say he goes cold for 12 games. He starts the year 12 games in. He has one goal. A lot of people are just going to be dropping this guy. And that, that's just, just maybe not dropping, but things are going to get really bad really quick. And that's unfortunate with a rookie like this. I just, uh, I, I don't think it's worth the risk at this high of a pick. At the same time, I can easily see him being the, an, another rookie to put up 30 goals because we have seen that come around in the last little bit. And if he does do that, maybe he holds his value, but it, it's just so hard for me to take him here when there's going to be names that are, you know, perennial 70 point guys. And I just don't think we have that out of Caulfield yet. Not the shit on him. Um, you know, I, I don't want to do that because I, I am very excited to see what he does this year, but it's just, you know, like, like I mentioned, things out in Montreal are a little bit different. There's no more Philip to know. Um, and an 82 game season is a lot on a 20 year old's body who is five, six, I believe it is um, one big hit. And 20 games later, um, you might have him back on your team, but you know, it's just, 
like I mentioned, I can't I can't stress it enough. There's just way better options at that pick. Um, can't yeah, like you you, you mentioned one of them in Patrick Line, uh, currently going oh, about 30, sure. 30 spots after Caulfield. Uh, Tuvo Teravainen is a guy that you know what you're getting. Probably not the same goal production as Caulfield, but the, the point totals on that top line in Carolina are going to be exceptional. He's going about 35 spots later. Kevin Fiala, who you missed in the first half, I absolutely um, you know, just gushed over. He's going about 34 spots later. Yeah, so there, there's definitely bad. players um, that you can get you know, three rounds later um, with definitely more stable floors. The thing that uh, I will say about Caulfield is obviously, you know, he is a pretty tremendous talent. We had, you know, Trevor Zegers tweet uh, his hot take for the year, and it was that Cole Caulfield's going to score 40. So according to Trevor Zegers, Cole Caulfield could make you look dumb. I, I think the one thing, though, is like Shoot it depends how much – it depends how much playing time he gets, right? Mm-hmm. Only saw about 14 minutes in the regular season, those 10 games. Saw closer to 15 and a half in, uh, in the playoffs. But, like, if he goes up and starts playing 17, 18 minutes a night, could he pop? For sure. I just don't see that happening. They're very, yeah, very deep. One. They're very, very deep, right? I mean, they still got Brendan Gallagher, Josh Anderson, Mike Hoffman, Jonathan Drouin, Tyler Toffoli. It's a loaded top six on the wing. And to see him play that many minutes in, in like his first full season, I I would be pretty surprised. Um, the other thing that's working against him is he's probably going to be with Nick Suzuki, who's now going to be taking on those those Philip Deneau like minutes, those mm-hmm. tougher assignments. So there's a lot of things to like about Caulfield, but I think that there is definitely some red flags when you're talking about him going around with the hundredth pick, and there's guys that are much better, uh, or much better floors going thirty picks later. But let's not talk too much about Cole Caulfield because uh, you've got a breakout to discuss. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like this guy breaks out on our show every year for the last like five years, but then I go and look at it at his seasons and he, and he's, he played 40 games last year and only I think like 11 the year before, but it's Ellie, Eli, Ellie, Tolvanen, Ely. Wow. Didn't even get close. Um, Ely Tolvanen out in Nashville, current line one right winger, as well as power play one quarterback defenseman or whatever you want to call it, but he's back there. He is the shooting option. Tolman's currently going 168 in Yahoo leagues. That's undrafted. Um, and that's, that's after some third liners, um, some sixth D men. This is absolutely crazy to me. This is someone who at the end of last year might've even been on a lot of teams, fantasy rosters. He was popping power play goals. What felt like every single night had six power play goals and six assists. Um, which is good for 12 power play points in a season where he only had 22 total points. That just goes to show how much confidence they have in this guy on the power play. Another year deep. I mentioned he only got 40 games last year. There's a little bit of injuries, a little bit of up and downs. Um, But once he finally got locked in at the end of the year, he was on another level and it kind of started to show what's made him uh, be mentioned as our breakout for the last three years. Um, He almost was even better than what we expected, which was great to see. Um, one thing that's going on in Nashville, uh, we're going to mention, we mentioned Arvidsson um, leaving, which is, you know, it's great for, for anyone who wants to grab him as a sleeper pick. Um, as Brock mentioned, he's an absolute sleeper pick, but what that has allowed is there's now really no right wing um, battle for, you know, top power play, top line, anything out in Nashville. This guy's a top six lock, I think, this season. And they're going to kind of just give him the reins. One thing that kind of goes against Nashville, as we've always talked about, they never really have that elite scoring. But if you're getting this guy at the end of your draft, if you're still getting a 30-30 season about him, out of him, I'm going to go nuts, high-five all my buddies, tell him, hey, remember when I got Tolvanen at 168? 
Um, one thing that just jumps out to me from last season, again, just under a half point or just over a half point per game, um, only playing 14 and a half minutes of ice. We all know what two and a half to three more minutes can do. We talked about it before um, with Caulfield. If he does get that two, three more minutes, which he likely might not, this is someone who likely will get that two or three more minutes. Again, Arvidsson out um, top, just the top right wing option and, and a weak bottom six right wing um, option for now, which just, I think just bodes all well for Tolvanen. It just seems like he's their guy up there on right wing. And if they want to make him their guy, even if he's not, you know, the ideal number one right winger on a team, he can still be an ideal number three right winger on your fantasy team. And at this point in the draft, you're likely not getting guys who are the number one shooting option on a power play. You're likely not even getting guys who are touching power play minutes. So if you can get someone who's not only playing top power play, but top line, um, with with the likes of either Matt Duchesne or Granlin, also Brock's boy, Philip Forsberg. We know how much yeah, he loves him. Dishing you the puck and as well, just kind of taking the other team's top defender away. You have to keep eyes on Forsberg, which means Tolvanen's going to be nice and juicy sitting on the other side of the ice. I absolutely love this guy this year. I know personally I'm going to be reaching. I hope that nobody in any of my leagues are listening at this point in the show. Um, preferably they're like, screw this Mike guy, real annoying. I don't want to hear what he says because I want Tolvanen around like 120 ish, 130. That's incredibly high. Maybe even like a couple picks before this, but it's just, I see such a huge year for this guy this year. Maybe not even huge, but I do see that 30, 30 being, being a reality, especially just showing what he can do on the power play last year. And, uh, and for me, I, um, you know, you know what? I'm, I'm pumped with my S SBBs. I think I, uh, I think I slapped it around and killed it. <laughs> I think this is like one of the classic examples of a post-hype breakout, right? Yeah. Um, he's been a guy that's been featured on the show before, just never really could crack and land that, you know, that permanent NHL um, lineup spot. And um, post-hype breakout, people are starting to forget about him, starting to, to kind of write him off. Um, still pretty young. He did have a stretch there in, in March of last year where he had 14 points in 14 games. Um, but you mentioned it, very, very little competition um, in terms of, of, you know, anybody else in this roster that yeah. can play the, the wing. Um, you look at Montreal the, and you're like, huh? And then you it, look it, at this team, you're like, what the, yeah. you guys didn't get Yeah, like, and, and Phil Tomasino, who we have projected as a third round right winger right now, might not make the team. Like, it could look even worse come, uh, come October. But um, like you mentioned, too, just the shooting option. Like, just sits there on the left flank and just rips bombs all day. This is also a team that, really liked using two defensemen on the power play. Ryan Ellis now in Philadelphia. So it's going to be Roman Yossi and uh, Ely Tolvanen at the top, on the point of this power play all season long. Um, it, again, power play that historically struggles, but when they score, when you watch Predators broadcast, when they score on the power play, it's Ely Tolvanen ripping bombs. He's got an absolute lethal shot. He's done it at every level. Uh, the AHL, he scored 21 and 63 a year ago. He's a guy that, you know, I think 30, 30 is probably pushing it, but I, I don't know if he's quite got that assist production, in him. but 30, 20, I think is certainly doable. I think he's, he's going to be, he, he probably leads his team in goals this year. Fight yeah, with which, Phil. as we mentioned, might not always say a ton for Nashville. I think you can lead him with like 20 every year, but at the same time, um, you know, if you're getting someone like this at the end of your draft, like we said, you know, with that, with that ceiling, it's, it's real nice. And Hey, say he doesn't hit two weeks in, send him away. You always say my boy, Phil Forsberg, but like that mustache and everything. Like, how could you dislike the guy? He he's is amazing. your boy. You, he's absolutely my boy. You but you ask us him. every episode if we could talk about him and we're like, Brock, chill. 
<laughs> I know I left him off the left wing episode last week and it hurt me. I think he's a tremendous sleeper as well. He's going way too late in drafts. You know, while we while we're talking about him, we might as well just see where Forsberg's going, right? We were I'm, talking about him here. I'm guessing one one twenty six point seven. One twenty six. That's late. That is, that is like incredibly late. That is that's <laughs> that's, that's after Cole Caulfield. Yeah, and I'm personally would much rather have that Forsberg. Uh, you know, expectations. Getting on the, what you're getting on the train. I like it. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not getting on the train. I'm just, you know, hopping on it in front of the Caulfield train. They're both going slow, though. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to do it for season seven, episode five of the Daily Faceoff podcast presented to you by our friends at Fantrax. Uh, a different episode, to be sure. Just me and Dylan in the first half. Just me and Beebs in the second half. It works, though. It works. We're just trying you to keep to... people on their toes, really. Um, yeah. You know. And to be honest, it gives me plenty of time to talk because I, I don't have to fight with two of you for airtime. I only have to fight with one. And I, it works for me. And but anyway, can't even see, but Brock dressed up for this uh, for this little little thing. We're online right now, and he's wearing a collared shirt. So I'm taking that as a huge compliment. Feels like we're kind of on a date. Um, you know, <laughs> like what a way to do a show. Yeah, I actually recorded a YouTube tutorial for something for DFO before this, so I felt like I shouldn't look too slummy. So yeah, I dressed up a little bit. Absolutely. doesn't look too bad. Never. But, never against looking good. Look good, feel good, play good. So no. Podcast, great. Uh, so we've was- got centers, we've got left wings, we've got right wings out of the way. D and goalie coming up next. Again, this is, you know, Beebs mentioned it. It is, you know, these guys are both working full-time jobs and trying to fit this into their schedule. So we can't always guarantee uh, when these episodes are going to come out, but just keep an eye on. Make sure you flag us or put your notifications on on uh, the DFO podcast Twitter and you will catch every single episode uh, without missing anything. So we hope you guys enjoyed this show. We hope you enjoy the next two as well as we get closer to the fantasy hockey season. I'm Brock Segan. We've got Beebs Bonnie. We'll say goodbye for Dylan G. Burstum as well. We'll see you guys back here next time. It's been a pleasure, and uh, this one's going to feel good, but peace! Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 